With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What time is it? I do not fear your reign, for I have an umbrella! <laughs> I'm not a Zeb Coulter guy. I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Come on, Zeb. Don't be a lemon. Be a rosebud! I am Bo Dallas! And I am living proof that dreams do come true. And all you have to do is believe. Oh, God. Uh oh. Whoa, brother. There you go. This is going to be a long, long night. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Wrestling to the back. And here's your host, Harry Vaughn, Sean Garmer, and Paul Azar. Actually, this one made sense this time. Because <laughs> we certainly had a good time watching some NXT TakeOver. This is Rusted to the Max Extra number five. Guys, this was a pretty entertaining show. Definitely. Yeah. It, it, I, it was a lot of fun. I was blown away. I didn't think this had a chance of being close to a rival, and holy crap, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah, me too. I kind of felt like, okay, they're going to start kind of going downhill. Nope, <laughs> they didn't take a step back at all. <laughs> so it's gonna be a great show though man we're gonna get a chance to talk about nxt takeover in full length as long as we want to really honestly <laughs> as well as you know in, in the chance because we still got to cover shikara which we are going to talk about people don't worry we kind of give you an insight of this last monday night that we were going to talk shikara we didn't lie we're gonna do it me and sean honestly didn't get it really good chance to watch it sean got a chance to watch more than i did 
But Paul, this is his favorite promotion. He's going to have a blast going down the card and talking about it. And me and Sean are going to pick his brain. So this will be entertaining no matter how you see it or listen to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, plus, we have some news topics that we want to jump into. You know, why not get into a little bit of it before Monday? So we're going to do all that good stuff and more. Uh, it's going to be a blast. But before we do anything else, why don't we go ahead and stop for a station identification, and then we'll maybe get into a little chatting. Actually, let's skip that station identification. You want to skip it? I have the thing ready. I, I was not don't thinking. Worry. Uh, <laughs> well, God, okay. we're the best. Yeah. Well, no, I was thinking about, well, you know, that's just not. We don't okay. have a lot to pimp today because this is only on two things. Yeah. I well, should uh, let you know this, you know, we have a lot of people that like to listen on demand through our normal places. Mm-hmm. And uh, I apologize in advance that. Uh, this is only going to be available on our Spreaker page and on our uh, YouTube page, which is Rustin to the Max Pod. That'll be up hopefully in a few hours after we get this done. If not, it'll be up late tomorrow after I get off work. But we'll have to see. Uh, Harry has just informed me that he will. He has no problem helping out Paul on the Chikara stuff. Awesome. So. That'd be really great. Yeah, and and sorry, people. We may sound disorganized tonight, but honestly, it's because I've been so busy. Uh, it is getting closer and closer to Saturday to my daughter's birthday party, and trust me, it's her first one. It's going to be a blowout. We're going to do a ton of stuff. So I am editing video. I am doing moving stuff around. I, I'm just. It's just ridiculous. So forgive me for being busy. Monday night, I'll be a lot better shape. But right wow. now, jeez. I don't have this, you know, the actual real excuse that Gary does. I just, I forgot until like really late last night. And then I got hooked on the uh, Stephen Moffat BBC Sherlock and couldn't stop watching it to try to start watching Chikara. So I got to like an hour and a half in of Chikara and then NXT started and I was like, well, I don't want to start at midnight, one o'clock in the morning just to get it done when we can get done early and everybody can do something or just go early to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be mad at you, but Charlotte's aw- or Sherlock's awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I love it because it just really, you really feel like they took the books into the 21st century and made it fantastic. Uh uh, you can still call in though, guys, because we are live right now. Nine seven two five nine one eight six two zero. If you want to talk NXT Takeover or Chikara, and you can also chat with me in the speaker chat if you download the speaker app on your phone, your tablet, or whatever, or just follow the link in the awesome Facebook group that we have, uh, the Wrestling to the Max Facebook group, Facebook.com/slash Wrestling to the Max, and we also have a Twitter. I was live tweeting tonight as well, Wrestling to Max know the on that one and once again we had a terrific few people that were in there with me and Paul talking about TakeOver while I was going on live so props to you guys you guys make that page awesome and we are really close to 200 right now we're at like 198 199 wow so by the time we hit Monday we'll probably be at the 200 
Hang. That's going to be really cool. We'll get there. Trust me. It's going to be awesome. And I love the conversations that go on the page. I mean, it, it is a blast. It, it's entertaining just to be able to sit there and read every post and all the comments. We have some great discussions on there. Um, so thanks for you know all those out there, like Sean said, are posting and keeping everybody up to date on things that we may not post. So it's a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, we're enjoying talking. But well, let's go ahead and jump into some wrestling uh, news before we get into NXT TakeOver. Hey, let's do that. It's, it's time, time for wrestling, wrestling news. Quick All right, everybody. Well, let's jump into something that, you know, to kind of start this out with a bang. You know, we've all been wondering about CM Punk. Now, this has been one of the biggest questions in wrestling. You know, oh, is he going to show up at Payback? Or wait, is he going to wait till SummerSlam? Or is he not going to come until 2015, 2016? Let's just be honest. We still don't know. We got a little bit of news coming out of Red Eye, uh, some magazine of Chicago is called Red Eye Chicago, or it's a newspaper. I'm guessing it's a small paper. I don't live in Chicago. If you live in Chicago, call in and tell me. But long story so does short, does that mean that they uh, they ride it at past midnight every all the time? I know it's what it makes me wonder. <laughs> <laughs> or is it like a bunch of stoners? You know, <laughs> you know. Anyway, CM Punk did talk to these people, and he did let them know that he is officially retired. So if we go by his word, he's not making a comeback. He's done. Uh, you know, never say never, but it looks like this is kind of close to what we were expecting. How do you guys feel about this? Do you really think, honestly, this is the end? The only way we're ever going to see him punk again in a wrestling ring is a, on the WWE Network? I, you know, I believe him for now. Um, maybe in a few years. I'll believe him less because wrestlers have a really terrible track record of saying, oh, I'm done, and and then they're not done. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'll believe him for now. <laughs> Cue the uh, CM Punk returns tomorrow, people. Cause it, no, no, I'm talking about uh, the people that are going to say that he's obviously doing this to be the opposite, meaning you know he says he's retiring and then this is all the ruse to deflect and then he's going to show up you know on payback on Sunday uh, I don't think that's going to happen I mean it's there for him to do so it would be a perfect time right you know Brian's hurt and that segment will carry out at least 15 to 20 minutes you know you're going to hear a lot of CM Punk chants uh, I wonder if there's going to be a hijack crowd as uh, Josh and Chris asked in the Facebook group but uh, I don't think so I think since the Raw one failed, even though they, I'm sure they will chant CM Punk, especially after that news that came out that we were talking about. But uh, we didn't mention this, but I really think this is set up for somebody to show up, somebody new, whether it be whether it be Punk comes back, whether it be this is finally when we might see Sting, whether some for some stupid reason Hogan was leading a poll of. Uh, being the new GM after Mattis got fired, I hope to God that doesn't happen. Oh. Uh, anybody want to give any <laughs> guesses if somebody's going mean, to... Somebody's saying, you know, it, we already know Flair's going to come back. Could he be the guy that, you know, since he has passed with Triple H and all that? I mean, will it happen and should it happen? I mean, or is this just going to be one of those they're dragging it on to Raw the next night? 
I think it'll be dragged on. I don't know of really anybody you could have come in other than CM Punk that would make an immediate impact uh, upon what they're trying to accomplish here, which I still have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. I don't even think they have an idea of what they're trying to accomplish right now. I think it's (laughs) stalling for time. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely agree with that. And not only that, I mean, besides CM Punk, does it really matter who comes back? Uh, Yeah, Sting would be maybe the second biggest pop. Um, but besides that, I mean, we've seen Flair a lot, and he's he's still exposed in WWE. We don't have any times where we've like, oh, we haven't seen that he guy. He was great in two tonight, years. but yeah, he also he was. wasn't on the microphone. Yeah, but you still saw him. Same with Bret Hart. You got to see Bret Hart. It's oh, okay, he's still around. He's still a part of the business. It's not you know, it's not one of those things where the heart is growing fonder. The heart is still seeing the guy. So how can you be fonder? What a great pun, Gary. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, <thank you. laughs> but long story short, I mean, I, I don't really care what they do, but I mean, I think that Paul is right and probably onto something. They may not even know what they're doing. We don't know, and they may not know. That being said, it wasn't great as great as uh, Cesaro's pun on the pre-show. Oh, no, that was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to hear that? He was talking about Breeze and Zayn's match, and he's he was saying that this match is not going to be a breeze for Zane. I like that. It's <laughs> awesome. I can just hear him in that accent. This is not going to be a breeze. <laughs> yeah, and then he uh, talked in French just to be an ass. Yeah. And then Heyman's like, don't answer him. Don't answer him. Yeah. Don't tell him what it means. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I love when he's on commentary and he does that. They're like, well, speak English. <laughs> <laughs> It's brilliant. Well, you know, and, and get back to the CM Punk thing. You know, we don't know, so we'll keep you tuned in uh, to whatever we find out. You know, but most likely, all of us will be surprised if he ever does make that comeback. Uh, let's talk about somebody else who we may honestly probably need to be retired, but he's not. Rey Mysterio. He signs another one-year contract with WWE. Um, now we don't know how many injuries that contract will be, uh, you know, holding up to. He has a downside protection on the, uh, if he gets hurt, apparently. Okay. So that's a kind of a safe bet for Vince. Well, and supp- <laughs> I don't know how true this is. You know, people report things and I don't know if, if they really know if this happens or not, but supposedly the report going around is that Vince supposedly has the power to freeze your contract, not in that you don't get paid. In that the moment, if they know you're going to have a long injury, let's say, you know, like Brian, his injury was like six or eight months. They mm-hmm. would add that onto your contract at the end. Okay. Huh. That is interesting. I, I never heard that before. You know, like if, you know, Sean Lee just tore his ACL, mm-hmm. he would have to be on an extra year with the Cowboys, say, if they if they had that, you know. And he, and he doesn't make any more money. He just has to play out that time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you know what? That's only fair, though, in a, in a way. Um, but, you know, the guys have to Even save their maybe, money if they uh, get hurt. <laughs> maybe the Cowboys need to have start having a protection <laughs> they, scheme. For, they need to have this. <laughs> Jerry, you need to call Vince. He's got something going here. <laughs> That's the second time in two years, right? He gets hurt and... The guy, is, the guy has never made it through a season without this kind of stuff going on. Jeez. He needs a new body. He's apparently made of glass. Uh, yeah. He is, and that's why I want to send him to Mr. Anderson's house to live. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, we could talk football, but that's another show. Um, let's move on to WWE. They are planning a Randy Savage. That's right. The Macho Man is going to get his own documentary, uh, DVD, and Blu-ray. Uh, so I know a lot of us have been expecting this eventually, but I was thinking it would happen more on the lines of when he went to the Hall of Fame. I guess they're maybe thinking about holding off longer if they're going to give us this. I don't understand it. But we still. did see... Uh... Lenny Poffo interviewed for the Mega Powers WrestleMania Rewind. So maybe that's the start of a whole process here for, you know, maybe Lenny finally said yes or whatever. Yeah. So needless to say, we're going to get the Blu-ray DVD early before, you know, he does hit that Hall of Fame. But what do you guys think about this? Is this a definite purchase? Uh, I'm a huge Randy Savage uh, fan. He's probably... I know he's definitely my top two favorites of all time, so yes, this is definitely a buy for me. Yes. Yeah, you guys uh, hit it on the head. You, uh, this is almost one of those ones you have to have in your collection no matter what. You know, I, I think you could almost say the same for the Ultimate Warriors um, and several other ones. But I think this one would be really interesting. We'll probably have some great matches and, of course, a lot of awesome promos. <laughs> so be looking out for that coming up soon. Uh, and here's something else that you guys may want to know. WWE, yes, they did recently lose a good chunk of change, and we talked about it on the podcast, but you know what? They are set to lose more money. That's right. Between the amounts of 46 to $52 million this year in total, it is projected that they'll lose. That's a lot of money to be losing. Uh, they won't beat WCW most likely. WCW did have the record and probably will keep the record of $62 million in one year. Dang, that's a lot of money. But needless to say, you know, what's up with this? I mean, do you think that, you know, WWE is going to be at frantic to find a way to get back up and make some more money? Or do you think they just know this is the process? I really hope that they know this is the process. I wouldn't think they would have started the WWE Network without them... Uh, at least realizing that they're going to be losing some money for maybe a year or two, um, unless they feel, I, like uh, I, they were talking. We've heard talks of them maybe adding ads, which I'm personally fine with. I watch Hulu a lot, like Sean does. Uh, I know we talked about this somewhere. It might have been on the Facebook page, um, but I'm, I'm I'm used to ads. I tune them out. So I mean, it'd be really weird to mid wrestling pay per view for an ad, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it would be kind of weird, but they'll figure out how to put it in there. I that would be really weird if you put a where they fade to black on the pay per view randomly and there's an ad. <laughs> I would assume it just interrupts the show, just kind of like when you watch it on Hulu or whatnot to mm-hmm. do an ad. Uh, and then you'll get a bunch of ad heavy. You'll get a lot of ads in between the next show or whatever is when you'll get most of the ads instead of all those nice little. Like before uh, NXT TakeOver, you got to watch the uh, Man on a Mission debut video, which was great. Wonderfully (laughs) 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have no problem with it. I mean, I think we all knew at one point it was a luxury not to have ads at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, You you know, it's nice that uh, they did go on with that concept and say, okay, look, we're giving you $10, no ads. You get to watch this thing like you're watching Netflix, you know. But I think we had to be realistic and know that it was going to come. Uh, like we've said a bunch of times on here, if they're going to raise the price, they got to be careful because too much too soon is going to get people 
really pissed off, and you lose people forever on that. Uh, and just, you know, you, they WWE knows they have to spend money to make money, and the network was always going to start at a loss. I don't think anybody expected $1 million at the start. If they don't lose some of that 700 and whatever amount people, uh, they're really lucky, you know. Oh, definitely. You know, the ads thing isn't a big deal, I think, to a lot of us. I mean, let's just say this. You know, we watch TV. We can fast forward on DVD or DVR or whatever. Excuse me. Uh, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do because I listen to all the wrestlers' podcasts, Stone Cold. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jericho, Ross, and of course now Goldberg. And they do their own ads. You know, they'll kind of go through these different ads. And it does kind of get annoying sometimes, but you get through it because it's free. Um, but when you're paying for something and it has ads, you expect to pay a lower price. WWE definitely can't raise the price and have ads. They've got to keep their price the same and just do the ad thing. If they feel like they can get it popular enough and maybe make the, you pay the extra money, I understand that. But right now, it's too young, too new. There's no way they can raise the prices. But I think, like you guys said, ads are fine. We're all used to them. Um, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal, you know. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, never know. You know, let's go ahead and talk about something else since we're talking about, you know, the WWE and the network and everything. Uh, WWE is, of course, you know, going to have that big Money the Bank pay-per-view on the network, and they are going to have this year only one Money in the Bank match. That's kind of a you know cool thing, if you ask me, because I think sometimes it got a little bit monotonous to have this, you know, a World Championship one and, of course, a WWE Championship one. I like the one Money in the Bank match. I think it makes it more important. Uh, so this is going to be great. But the thing is, guys, who could be that winner? Well, a lot of speculation going right now is that Cesaro is the heavy favorite. Is, is Cesaro the right choice for this? And also, tell me what you think about just having one Money in the Bank match. I absolutely think uh, Cesaro is the right choice, not only because I picked him to do this earlier this year or end last year, something like that, but, uh, I mean, really, he's the hottest guy they got right now that's not in the top. Um, you know, you could argue the Shield have made that transition to the main event. Uh, Daniel Bryan has been made at Mania. Uh, so I, I, the only guy they really have worth making right now that is on a roll is Cesaro. Um, I still personally miss Money in the Bank being at WrestleMania. Um, but I can't be too mad because Money in the Bank has been solidly one of the better pay-per-views of the year for the past two, three years, um, even with two. So, 
one, two, it doesn't really make a difference to me, but Cesaro is absolutely the right choice. Yeah, if you're not going to do a special WWE Championship Money in the Bank ladder match, I'm fine with just one. There's only one title now, you might as well just do one. Uh, I have no problem with Cesaro winning. I think Reigns is still needs seasoning and he needs time to get to that level. You could make the case that Yes, during that whole year that he potentially has to have the Money in the Bank briefcase on him, he can get better, but I think Cesaro is just more ready. Uh, he can wrestle anyone. He can be a face or a heel, whatever they want him to do. Uh, I mean, he could do something big, like have Brock win at SummerSlam and then cash in on Brock. I mean, imagine what that would do, you know, uh, for uh, not only... Uh, Cesaro, I mean, for Cesaro to come in there and beat Brock like that, I, that's just me fantasy booking right now, but that'd be pretty cool. You beat the guy that beat the streak, and you get to piss off Paul Heyman and start your face run or whatever. Supposedly they want Cesaro to be the number three face in the company, so we'll see. A lot can change from the beginning of June to the end of June, so we shall see on that. Yeah, no, I agreed. And I mean, your scenario is, is something I think would be very interesting. I think a lot of people would be into that. You know, I, I think right now Cesaro is the hottest guy to be doing something at, at this moment because, I mean, I, I look at the roster and you see a lot of the other talent, but there's nobody got the momentum that Cesaro does right now. Daniel Bryan's, of course, at a different level currently. Um, and, of course, the guys that we think should have that, you know, potential in that run aren't having him right now. So I think we're in a weird transition time with a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys have either cooled down or haven't really started up yet. Uh, but Cesaro is going right down the middle and uh, definitely hitting it strong. So if we do have that Money in the Bank match and it's just one, I'm looking forward to Cesaro definitely get in the briefcase. I think that'll be really awesome. Um, and hopefully when he gets it, he does say that he's the money in the blank bank winner in five different languages. We'll have to see. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well guys, um, you know, we talked a lot about different people coming from the Indies to WWE. Uh, of course, Cesaro was one of those big names that came from the Indie circuit and look where he's at right now in WWE. There's a couple of guys coming from the indie circuit, possibly to WWE. We've mentioned it before, uh, Kevin Steen and, of course, Willie Mack. Those are two names we've mentioned with WWE. It's been you know, kind of widely known. But the thing is, is we've heard of a lot of different rumors happening, and they never pan out or anything. Well, right now, we actually have some confirmation that these two guys, Steen and Willie Mack, have actually had background checks. So that's kind of a positive sign, if you ask me, that they could be entering the gates of NXT very soon, and we probably will still see them at Full Sail University before you know it. How exciting is this news for you guys, or do you kind of have some reservations? I think uh, Steen will be money in NXT. They still have Sami Zayn down there. Uh, there's an obvious connection there. There used to be a tag team, Ring of Honor, PWG, the Indies in general. Um, Willie Mack is, I, I'm not incredibly familiar with him. I've seen some of his work though. Uh, he's very impressive. Uh, he's kind of a short stocky guy, but he's incredibly powerful. Um, so I, I think they'll both work out great. Uh, I know we've heard more stuff about Kenta and Divot too, and I, I still have absolutely no clue what the WWE is going to do with Kenta, but I think Divot will find his way. 
Yeah, this is going to be, uh, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, at some points I thought that uh, Steen might not wind up there until much later, but it's cool to know that he's getting a background check on Willie Mack is, and then, you know, I, 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 I you know, David gave Sheamus a lot of props for uh, making wrestling a, a thing in Ireland again. So, you know, it'd be nice to see David and, you know, who knows, maybe uh, Sheamus could show up in NXT for, like, his first big match or something. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, I'm like Paul, though. Who knows what they're going to do with Kenta? Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Kenta and or David, really. I haven't seen a lot of those guys. So I'm, I'm kind of really curious what to do with either of these guys because if they give him some time, I want to see him. Um, but if you know they don't, I think it's going to be sad for a lot of guys like me who have not the uh, you know really had the opportunity to check those guys out. But we shall see. It's it's a big mystery. WWE always kind of leaves you hanging when it comes to these young stars, you know. Um, well, let's you know move on a little bit and talk some TNA. We can't have quick hits without a little TNA talk. I'm sorry, people. I know you're looking forward to it. This is good TNA stuff, though. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about it. TNA is going to have three more shows at the Hammerstein Ballroom, people. And that's right. It's going to be in August. So, I mean, you know, towards the end of the summer, you know, we'll get a chance to see them in New York City once again. Uh, this is good news, if you ask me, for the TNA. They really need to have some good shows. They really need to, you know, have some progress. And the Hammerstein Ballroom is a great place to get that. Uh do you guys have any thoughts on that? Do you think it's a good deal for TNA? I mean, do they, should they really try to focus on planning a lot of their uh, shows in places like New York City, maybe even Philadelphia, places where really, you know, hungry wrestling fans live? They got to be real, real careful, uh, especially around New York area, because they, they get a crap ton of uh, indie promotions, a lot of bigger indie promotions, uh, and... If we, I mean, if you've watched the Ring of Honor show that we did, uh, War of the Worlds, <laughs> there, that doesn't give you a good idea of what's going to happen to him because I'm sure it's going to be much louder at times. <laughs> um, I also don't know if TNA will be able to outdraw Ring of Honor in that building either. I'm really, I'm curious. I, I don't have high hopes for them. They'll be giving away tickets. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Not yeah. to mention it's three <laughs> separate days. It's not just one. So that's that's a tough sell and. You're doing TV tapings, which means there's no guarantee that you're going to have good matches on it. Uh, that also mean that, uh, a lot of people are speculating that those three shows in uh, August are pretty much going to take them up until the end of October, which would be the next time that they could even show up in the uh, Universal Studios, and is also the last month that their deal exists with Spike. So. Oh wow. You know, it's still not a good sign that we're about to hit June and we've heard nothing from Spike at all. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that talent place is really working hard on trying to get TNA the best deal, which I can't imagine how Spike can give them any more money. They haven't done anything to really prove that they deserve more money. And Spike has been, on, let's just be honest, they've been very generous with TNA. I mean, for God's sakes, the network actually paid for some of the wrestlers' contracts uh, and didn't make TNA pay those big contracts. So that is, you know, let's say in a lot. I think Spike does want them. They seem to be pretty cordial with TNA. 
Uh, but I mean, I think sometimes you can wear out your welcome, and you know that could happen. But I, I don't know. As far as what I've heard, Spike is still in the good graces with TNA. I don't know for a fact, but I just kind of going through for some of what I've heard. I can't um, imagine they're happy with the uh, ratings keep going down, down, and down. You know what? Now I'll just ask this: Does Bar Rescue beat TNA in the ratings? <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if it does. I really <laughs> beat the brides. Bar Rescue is a tremendous television show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've heard a lot about Bar Rescue. I've watched it myself, and I'm just thinking, okay. And the Hungry Investor I, show isn't too bad either. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I, it just really does make you wonder. The popularity of those shows would definitely have to be getting some ratings. And honestly, yeah, TNA's ratings just slide week to week. Um But, we'll, you know, we'll figure that out and see what happens. But, you know, I think TNA is also going to try to get a good pop. At a lot of fans pretty soon here. Uh, they're actually going to have some legendary people, or at least one legendary person in wrestling, show up to one of their shows. That's the Slammiversary in Dallas, Texas. They're going to have one of Dallas's, or I guess I should say Texas's favorite guys, uh, Kevin Von Erich. That's right. He is going to be at Slammiversary, uh, and he's going to bring his sons along. That's right. Uh, Marshall and Ross will be with him. Now, these two guys have actually been trained in uh, performing in, in uh, Noah, right, Sean? Uh, yeah, the, and they were trained at uh, Harley Race's school, too. Yeah, so, man, those are some great places. And uh, So this is really cool. This is really cool for them, and it's really cool for TNA, honestly. Um, the Dallas area still loves the Von Erics. Their name is still prevalent around here. Uh, but what do you think about this? Is this good? Would this be something interesting for TNA to latch onto if they were to get the Von Eric boys? I would definitely think so. Uh, it, their tag team division is struggling. Um, and these guys have credential as far as last name goes. Uh, and they're, as far as I've seen, I've seen one or two of their matches. They're pretty good. Uh, one of them wrestles barefoot like Kevin did. Um, so they're not, there's a nice little throwback in there. But I think, you know, like I've said this before, any time anybody wants to come in and work with TNA... Uh, you know, ride that horse till it dies because it is a good way to make a name for yourself. Agreed. They need tag teams. The Von Erics still have a name. And I mean, Lacey used to work in TNA not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what good for them to, to get another one. She's you know retired now. Yeah. Really? She just gave up on the thing? Yep. Wow. I think she's doing modeling and stuff now. Oh, okay. Well, she definitely has a look for that. That is a true story. <laughs> if not, go to the Facebook page. I, somebody asked me to post a couple of pictures, and we got some nice comments in there. One that made me laugh a lot, because <laughs> Jeff kept talking about... I made a joke about uh, who uses Bing anymore, and he's like, well, I Bing all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Well, oh my God! Well, you that's know, a good way to end this segment. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, pretty close, and we're going to end this segment. But we have one more thing we probably should talk about, and, and I want to use this as a transition point to NXT Takeover. Uh, we all saw Tyson Kidd at NXT Takeover, and there's been some question about what he's doing, where he's going to go. WWE is kind of in limbo on deciding his fate, his future, where he's going to be. Um, so honestly, they're thinking about repackaging the guy. Now we all wonder, well, how are they going to repackage Tyson? They've kind of made some little, you know, t- 
tweaks to his gimmick and all that, but not much. The thing about putting a mask on the guy, and I think you know, completely changing of his image. What would you think about that? Do you think that works? In my personal opinion, I'm not sold on that. I like Tyson Kidd the way he is. I don't see the problem. I'm right there with you. Uh, his last heel run on Raw before they sent him away was really good, or before he got hurt, actually. Uh, and then he started tagging, and then he got hurt. That's right. Um, so I I like him uh, as he is now, especially after tonight. I mean, how can you not be impressed with him? The hood, it, it presents an interesting idea, though, because I could definitely see them replacing or having him replace El Cal with uh, Samurai Del Slow, and I bet you they could put on some wonderful tag team matches together. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, was they want a real tag partner for Samurai Del Sol so that they can bring him up as a tag team for uh, WWE and, uh, you know, to have a real feud with the Ascension, too. That would be great. Um, I think I like the idea in that they probably are right. I think when people see Tyson Kidd again, you know, the thing is, too, Tyson Kidd doesn't get a lot of time on Total Divas. He kind of is like that guy in the background that's there. He doesn't, still doesn't get to show a lot of personality unless he's being mean and natty or something in a forced manner. As we saw again on this episode, they really ran with that, this this uh, thing on, on TakeOver. You know, they, they're trying to push him heel. I want to see how his heel run does first before you stick him in a mask. I can understand what they're saying in that they feel like they've done all they can with Tyson Because, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of personality. He's showing a lot more as a heel than he ever did as a face. But still, you know, that, that charisma, I don't feel like is there. It's just his, you know, it, it's almost like the heart personality kind of thing. They have that kind of like deadpan delivery sometimes. Owen was the only guy that was really good about, you know, he was really, had the charisma, he was really, you know, he yelled a lot, he he got his point across, the rest of them were kind of, you know, real slow in delivering, you know, Brett kind of had that thing, um, and Tyson kind of does it too, so I understand the idea, but I think they need to give it a little time and see how this run in NXT as a heel goes first before you stick him out of that mask and say, okay, we're not going to recognize him anymore. He is whatever we call him now under the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And you both got, you know, you both hit a point in the tag team role. I think he worked perfectly with Justin Gabriel. I think it was something that I honestly feel like they could have put him back together again after the injury and he'd been okay. I just don't see him under a mask. I don't think he, okay, his movesets are fine and what he does in the ring is okay. But I just, don't picture a guy with a mask with his set works. I just, maybe I'm wrong. I just don't feel like it does. I think he's okay without it. That's just my personal opinion, though. I, I'm, you know, completely off Whatever happened off to wrong. the Evan Bourne tag team. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. We can only hope they go in that route. I'm just telling you, honestly, my, my, my fan favorite of Kid will be gone <laughs> if he goes under the, the hood, so. Uh, well, anyway, well, that's enough news, everybody. We've you know had a good time talking and you know getting all this sorted out through the news. But now it is time, I think, for us to all talk about NXT Takeover. WWE Developmental NXT. All righty, man. We had a. 
pretty interesting pre-show to start with Paul Heyman and Christian. It was a lot of video packages, but it was very uh, interesting. They still left a lot for the imagination when it came to those uh, video packages. We got to see longer packages, especially Charlotte and Natalia, man. That thing that they showed during NXT was really long for a women's match. Uh, I think the rest of them were kind of shown in full. The Tyler Breeze had a little bit more on his, too. But still, you you NXT is... They, they still have to play that card of, we know not everybody watches NXT, but they might watch these specials. So a lot of the pre-show is not so much hyping as it is showing you video packages of these wrestlers and the feuds and stuff like that. Not the same old tire ones that you get for the pay, you know, for like we'll see at Payback and like we see on Raw every time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it's so interesting. It makes the pre-show worth watching. What did you guys think of the pre-show? I thought it was awesome. Um, Paul Heyman continuing to do what he does best. Christian was actually really good. I thought uh, he liked to. They, they all seemed to. And Renee Young, they all seemed to have a very uh, personal connection to the audience that they kept trying to establish. Um, and it just flowed really well. I think the video packages were great. Uh, they gave you great pictures of who these people were. Uh, and they've sort of played up these little storylines that they had going from NXT. So I think it was a terrific job. And well Cesaro done. was great, as we mentioned yes. earlier. He was very punny. <laughs> I, uh, I completely missed it. It's a shame that I did. And I'll have to go back and watch it just so I can hear Cesaro do that. Uh, but it sounds great, man. I'm kind of ashamed now. I just, I was so busy before the show. I didn't get a chance to check it out. Hey, we can't get mad at you for having a live, Gary. No, uh, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that WWE found a way, or maybe it was Cesaro on his own, to uh, incorporate the languages thing. You know, WWE loves to have that whole foreigner be evil thing, and I love how Cesaro can kind of just put that in there a little bit at a time. Uh... Moving on to the, uh, they made it pretty clear at the beginning with Adam Rose kind of coming in almost towards the end that we were going to have Adam Rose and Camacho to be the first match. I like the idea because you got to get the the one people are not expecting to be that great out of the way and you get to start with a party with uh, Adam Rose. So, and I will say this, the fans... Much better crowd than when we had at Arrival. They were into everything, and it was a big, you know, big hoopla for everything. So I really enjoyed that aspect. 
I thought the match was decent. It was probably the worst match on the show, if you can say a worst match. Just because, you know, they're going to try all they can with Camacho, but I just I can't get into them. And that makes me not care so much about what happens with Adam Rose in the ring, because of the, you know Adam Rose is going to win, number one. You know Camacho's really not going to put up much of a fight. It's all about Adam Rose kind of just getting to showcase his moveset and stuff, and you got to see that in this. Yeah, uh, you know, um, Camacho, I think he's gotten a lot better in the ring than when I remember watching him on SmackDown with Hunico. Um, so at least there's that. But yeah, he's just, there's not really a lot to him. He's kind of a flat character. Uh, they try to build him up as this badass Mexican guy, and he definitely looks the part, but they don't really let him show the part all that often. Um, Adam Rose, on the other hand, it, it's no secret that I love the guy. <laughs> and him coming in, like the Exotic Express, like 10-minute overflow entrance from the pre-show into the main show was awesome um and yeah i mean they both got to look good it just wasn't anything special but it was still nothing offensive yeah you know honestly you know when we ran down the card uh, in last monday's show i kind of felt like okay this will be somewhere in the middle this will be kind of the cool down match but i get why they did start the show off this way because it is fun you know, with everybody dancing to, all the way from the outside into the building, down to the ring, and doing the whole Adam Rose thing. It's it's fun. It's a cool little gimmick. Um, but, you know, besides that, the match, you know, wasn't exactly the best. It was okay. Very, to me, I would say average. I get, you know, what you guys are saying. Camacho isn't exactly what you call, you know... Uh, one of the flashiest guys or anything. He just kind of does what he does, and that's wrestle. I mean, really, outside of that, there's nothing to the guy. I, I will say this, though. I like his aggression now. The way that they've changed him to have a lot more aggression, to me, it does add to his character. But that's probably the only thing that's been added to his character. So, I mean, still, there's nothing really to hold on to there. Adam Rose getting the win, we all figured that would happen. I mean, he's moving on to bigger and better things. But, I mean, in all, it wasn't a bad start. It just wasn't a big, you know, giant hit, you know. Yeah, no Cesaro Zane from Arrival. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and usually you want to start a crowd off really hot. Luckily, they got away with this one because the crowd didn't have to get hot off this to be a good crowd. I think they were worried that they put it in the middle of the. Uh, that you know, one of the other matches that wound up being great would overshadow it, and people wouldn't care, even if it was Adam Rose. They would be so dead from being tired that it would seem like no one cared about Adam Rose when they really do. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. Because remember, they he just debuted on Raw, and people were still kind of not sold on the guy. So they want to see people that might be watching NXT that watch WWE all the time that never watch NXT otherwise, except for these specials. They say, uh, "Well, what's the big hoopla about Adam Rose?" Okay, well we got that watching this. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Moving along, uh, Tyler Breeze is being announced as being in the building. So, thank God they uh, still do that. I'm so yes. happy they still do that. Uh, we get a dueling, yeah, 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 and lucha, lucha, lucha chance as uh, the Ascension and Kalisto and El Cow hit the ring for this tag team championship match. Uh, we, uh, it, it didn't last as long as I thought it would, and the one thing that 
I don't understand because I know WWE has to be thinking, or I didn't understand what Triple H was thinking here either. People want to see what Callisto can bring. If we've never seen Callisto, we want to be able to see what makes him special. And in the match that he had against uh, whatever team it was, him and, Lo- him and uh, Ricardo Locale looked much better, and you saw more of Callisto than you saw of Callisto in this match. Not to say that the like three or four moves that he did in here didn't look cool or whatever, but I felt I was left wanting more. And then when Ricardo came in, he was just bot city, except for the moonsault, and that kind of didn't hurt their uh, their perception either. Or that kind of hurt their perception too. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on Kalisto. I mean, he got to sell a lot of the offense um, for the match, which was, uh, from the brief minutes that we saw the little cow, that's probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> I mean, El Cal only had the really big one glaring mess up. Other than that, he sold the running STO from Victor beautifully, um, which uh, ran into the follow man from the Ascension as they defend the belts. But, I mean, this wasn't anything terrible either. Uh, Kalisto still... Got to look kind of cool, even though I wish we'd gotten a lot more, because Samurai Del Sol can do some absolutely amazing things in the ring. Um, but this is still not terrible. No, I mean, I, you know, I honestly felt like we'd had a better, more even match, to be honest with you, though. The, the, the only reason I felt that way is because I thought they were really going to push this whole Locale and Kalisto tag team you know, really make them look good. Maybe do a lot of high spots with these guys. You know, just uh, not not to have a funny match, but maybe do a little bit of comedy here and there. Uh, just because the ascension is so dark, but it seems like they were just really wanting to go in the fashion of, you know, here's a new tag team, and there's no way that they're going to beat these guys because the ascension is just too strong and too great. And, and that's what I got from it. I mean. Besides that, I kind of felt cheated because I did want those high spots. I did want a lot out of this match. Uh, not not really, honestly, to dethrone the Ascension, just because I wanted to see more of what you guys were talking about. Kalisto, I wanted more and more of him. LOKL, we've seen before, so I don't really need a whole lot of him, but Kalisto's the guy I would care about. But I think we'll get that in the future. It's just, you know, we expected more. I still don't know that the Ascension have offense that really makes me want to sit there and pay attention to them all throughout the match either. Well, you you make know. a good point. It, it just, it's what it is, really. They're a powerhouse. I mean, it, the the crowd helps them out a lot more than they used to. Because used to, when the crowd didn't care, it was really one of those, like, it almost makes me want to fast forward. At least <laughs> now when the crowd, you know, gets into the ya-ya-ya and really makes you pay attention uh, it's it. You kind of forget about the fact that their offense is still kind of limited. I still have to say, out of a lot of the different talents in this NXT roster, I think that the Ascension has probably the best, or one of the best entrances. Uh, the music, the lights. I mean, they just really put the mood on for you. That's true. So I think that's why people stick beside him because they're so dark and brooding. Even if, like you said, Sean, sometimes their matches alone don't really sell it for you as a great match. <laughs> I mean, not to mention these guys have been built like total badasses since their tag team title run started. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that definitely helps. <laughs> yeah, being consistent helps a lot. You know. For sure, for sure. Uh, you get a nice video package of Tyler Breeze. You know, he... he uh, 
talks about being a sex symbol and that they remade his music and he uh you know he calls himself a distraction for his opponents even you know even the world because he is Tyler Breeze uh he uh you know everybody thinks he's all about his looks they they question what he can do in the ring but he he shows it all the time and that Zayn is a professional loser and that Tyler Breeze is successful in everything he does uh unlike Sami Zayn so you know, he, he says he's going to be champion, or, you know, at some point here. And he uh, kind of pretty much tells you straight up, I'm going for that number one contender spot here. Sami Zayn comes out, the new music. Uh, I like this old music better. Um, they also kind of try to vibe off the Ole Ole chants and kind of put them in there in his music, which I don't like either. Let the crowd do that. You don't need to take that away and put, the, put it in his music. I don't want to hear that when he comes out in WWE. Let the fans do that. You already have a group that does the OLA. You're going to confuse the WWE fans. Let let the fans be the one to dictate those kind of things. But Tyler Breeze's music, on the other hand, terrific. Uh, very Shawn Michaels-like. He, It's Tyler Breeze doing the lyrics. Or if it's not Tyler Breeze, it's somebody that sounds a lot like him doing the lyrics. And it's very, like... He sounds like he's just being an asshole throughout the whole thing. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. I mean, it, okay, let's just say it this way. Uh, the, it, it really is Shawn Michaels, but I think also the music still fits the modeling kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I, I think it really fits. So, I mean, it's set. I, at first, I wasn't sure, to be honest with you, Sean. I actually rewound this and listened to it again because I was kind of at first taken aback saying, I'm not sure I like this. But after listening to it and really understanding what they were putting forth, I, I think it matches in perfectly. I think I see where you're going, though, with the Sami Zayn music. The Sami Zayn music is kind of quirky. I, I think he deserves something way better than that. It was so cheesy. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like Sami's at all. Uh, it just it doesn't. They haven't really found a sound that fits him yet, and that's probably because he's just underdog wrestling guy right now, and they haven't really expanded too much on it. Tyler Breeze, on the other hand, I thought it was wonderful. Uh, they still incorporated a lot of his older music, which I absolutely adored, into his new sort of sexy boy ripoff. Um, but it's still great. Getting into the match, though. This was fantastic. The first match that delivered on the goods of what we expect from NXT. Sami Zayn's going to have his own wing of match of the years if this keeps on. <laughs> yeah. uh, seriously, they're going to have to make a whole slammy just for Sami Zayn. Uh, and, uh, you know, you had, um, I love the, uh, Zane, or not Zane, uh, it, uh, Breeze doing the execution, that kind of came out of nowhere, and he did a nasty super kick to Zane, uh, Zane doing that exploder suplex in the corner is always great, um, I like the finish, too, thought that was a nice way to do it with the, him missing the kick, and then he does the beauty shot, I think we kind of, you know, I talked about how it made more sense for Breeze to win. I'm really thinking that we'll get Neville and Zayn when it's time for one of them to go. As a kind of farewell kind of feud between the two. Because I think WWE knows you'll get magic with those two. You want to kind of give Neville a heel that can work off him for maybe not just one of these specials, but maybe two, depending on how often they want to do these in the future. Yeah, um, 
this this is really good. Uh, the the best part about it is from this point forward, the the matches are really working with a specific set story that flows throughout the whole thing. Um, for this, these guys had just met to determine a contender earlier with a triple threat, and they start with they're busting out new moves, and it's really cool. Like Tyler Breeze, like Sean said, is busting out the execution. He's uh, he's kind of going differently than he normally does. Sami Zayn, I mean, they try this weird suplexy thing uh, that it's it gets botched, but it still looks really cool. It's something I'd never ever seen before. Um, yeah. I almost thought yeah. he was gonna do uh, an homage to Sting, Steen for a second. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. sort of turned into something weird and cool all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Zane's diving over the top rope. You have Breeze working his butt off and selling Zane like he's dying. Uh, it's just a, it's a really good match. Uh, I don't know if I'd put it over uh, Zane Cesaro, but it's pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a pretty decent match. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Uh, Sean said it right when he said this is really when the show gets started for certain. I mean, this really put on a you know a different mood to the show. I think both those guys have so much talent. Uh, Breeze is a guy that we like because, honestly, he's got a great gimmick. It's comical. It's funny. Uh, but also, he's not bad in the ring. He's He's a pretty darn good worker. Uh, Sami Zayn, I mean, the guy is brilliant. I mean, I think that, you know, I, not that these guys are the opposite, but I think these guys have a little bit of opposite when it comes to their best skills. Um, where Zayn is really great in the ring, but on the other hands, he could use a little bit more on the charisma side of things. Uh, but, you know, just in general, just the match by itself, I was very happy very pleased. I'm glad they got the time they got. I was kind of wondering about time in this and, you know, because I knew the main event would probably get some good time, uh, but still, these guys got a decent amount of time and it was a great match. Yeah, that's one thing I'll give uh, WWE. They did a, I mean, look, we're only talking about six matches on the show, but they did a fantastic job with time for the three matches that mattered. Mm -hmm. um, as we'll get into in a little bit, I mean, have we ever seen WWE give women 17 minutes? I mean, can we, I, I can't even think of one. Oh. Not even at WrestleMania. <laughs> I can't think of. Uh, I uh, almost wonder if that's almost a record. And I know Trish and Lita had some uh, decent matches, and probably lengthy matches, but I don't, I don't know if many matches have been that long. I don't even think their main event on Raw came close to touching 17 minutes. I think yeah. it got like 10 yeah, uh, the longest women's match I can remember recently is uh, Beth Phoenix and Tamina way back at Elimination Chamber a few years ago. Oof! Oh wow! Yeah, so this definitely, uh, you know, <sighs> it, it's one of these things where I don't understand how I just don't understand how Vince like does Vince and Triple H not talk to each other and see now I understand maybe the NXT these uh, your WWE fans right now. They are so hooked into your wrestling product. Like, why wouldn't you give them time and effort into building up these women's matches and then you let them go out there and have longer matches? You know, instead of just trying to, oh, five minutes is what we're doing and y'all got to try to fit the framework of five minutes and rush oh, everything yeah. and make it go crazy and, you know. This was just one of those where 
you had a simple story of two women wanting to be the best and win a title, and you had the flair and heart thing, and they played off of that. You know, I just don't get how we can't develop that for... And it's not like Natalia doesn't wrestle on WWE. She's on Total Divas. It's not like she's a nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I mean, I don't know why that they don't do this on a you know more regular basis where they build up a you know a feud like they did in this one and give the match time. I mean, this is so it's almost the opposite of what they do, and it worked out so well. I mean, I really felt like we got quality in match here, uh, and we also got some quality. You know, let's just be honest: time getting to know. Uh, Charlotte and getting to know Natalia more. I mean, like you said, Sean, you've seen Natalia already on Total Divas and all those stuff, but this helps when it's in especially With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In a wrestling format, it's a lot better. Oh, and the video package they did for them was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, you got to learn so much about them, the heart and flair history, all that stuff. Just watching that, I was in there like, dang, this, they showed it on the pre-show, and I was like, man, they left a lot of stuff out on the pre-show. You know, <laughs> it, it was about like three or four minutes even longer. I was like, wow, this is really cool. I'm, you know, I felt like I just got the whole history almost fed to me. It's just it's terrific. And Flair was great because he was sitting down in a video. He wasn't out there on a live mic talking. So, uh, before they before this match, though, they had uh, uh, Lana and Rusev come out. So, you know, I was paying attention. And uh, then we had uh, Mojo Raleigh come out. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, we're kind of doing a... Biggie Rusev, but on NXT, you know, we're gonna have a standoff here or whatever. And no, they didn't. Rusev just came in and whooped Mojo Rawley, this guy they've been basically having squash everyone. Rusev squashes him. I mean, do you think this has any ramifications for the future of Mojo, or is this a one-off? Or I don't know if it's a one-off, but I really hope it leads to some repackaging because the guy really needs it. <laughs> the move set needs work. Uh, I think his microphone skills are a little better. Uh, his promo he cut before he ran down and got dominated was pretty, pretty okay. Um, other than that, though, I mean, I just I haven't found anything that really makes me want to latch on to him or anything. So, yeah, and it's hard to latch on to a guy that does rear view. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, especially since he's talking about sticking a flag up somebody's Putin. 
Um, yeah. So <laughs> I thought it was a clever pun to go along with the punny rific night. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, huh, I agree on the repackaging of Mojo Raleigh. I think the guy's got talent. It's just, man, if they could just change him up a little bit and get rid of that move set, I think he'd be okay. His music's not bad. You know, it's fun. It's you know, it's Ultimate Warrior like, but um, I just I don't know. The guy doesn't really work well when it comes to some of that stuff. Uh, Rusev, man, it, it makes me wonder when the guy will not be dominant. Yeah, we'll have to see a payback, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also have a, que- a question yeah. before you move on to the next thing, and I didn't ask it earlier, but I wanted to ask it. Sami Zayn, so he loses again. Where do we see WWE going with this guy? I mean, is he going to be in NXT limbo for a lot longer, or are they finding a way to maybe get him ready to move on? I, I just don't understand. The guy seems to be on a losing streak of sorts. I I think they're working a very long underdog story for Sami Zayn. Uh, he can't he can't get the best of Cesaro. Uh, he he loses contendership matches or yeah contendership matches and. You know, eventually it's going to have a payoff where he finds his way into the championship. Um, the way I personally see it going, I think Tyler Breeze is going to be the one to lift the belt off of uh, Neville. Zane will lift it off Breeze, and then they can do Zane Cesaro again if they want to and just keep that story going from a big, large downswing to a very large upswing. Oh, I like your fantasy booking, Paul. That's good. I like that. Let's hope they do that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, you all know how big of fans we are of Tyler Breeze, so. Right. Uh, moving along here, we have Paige come out, and she uh, thanks the NXT universe for being there for her, and she talks about being the first ever NXT Women's Champ and all that. And then you, you know, she hands it off to the two women wrestling in this match to determine the new champion, uh, an Italian Charlotte with Bret Hart and Ric Flair. Woo! They're alongside them. And boy, did uh, we have a fantastic match that might go down in the ages as far as women's wrestling is concerned. Just really old school. A lot of uh, mat wrestling and submissions. And I really enjoyed it. You had uh, Charlotte pull the sharpshooter out on Natalia, which I thought might have been the finish. And, you know, they had Natalia break it. You had... Uh, Charlotte do her figure four head scissors, and Natalia had uh, Charlotte the sharpshooter for a while that almost made you think Natalia was going to win. Just a really great back and forth. The uh, Brett and Flair didn't get involved hardly at all. They were just kind of there cheerleading, and that was good enough, I think. Um, they got uh, Charlotte almost looked like Kurt Angle there doing the moonsault and missing. And uh, you know, and I thought the uh, the the finish with uh, Charlotte killing uh, Natalia on her own move, and then uh, Natalia gets out, and then she does the uh, bow down to the Queen to win it. Great stuff. The post match stuff was great with uh, Charlotte and her dad hugging, and then Natalia and her got to hug, and even Brett got to hug Charlotte too. I mean. Fantastic moment for Charlotte there. Yeah, this is my match of the night. Uh, 
this was insanely good, and it might have been have something to do with me having different expectations and then completely getting shattered. Um, Charlotte and Natty draw you in with this great uh, submission wrestling. They go back and forth. They sort of draw in. Uh, Natty has some interaction with Flair that's really funny. She woos at him, and then Flair gets her back later when Charlotte has her in a figure four, and she just where Flair just gets right up on the apron and woos right in her face. It's so funny. Um, uh, it, it, this is just, it's really great. Uh, it builds up nicely. Um, for those who don't think Flair would be a good manager, I'd, I'd point him to this match and tell them, hey, look, this is probably what he would be doing. And I think it would work out really well. Um, the the post-match is kind of confusing because in the lead, I mean, Charlotte's been the heel the whole time, and suddenly she's super-duper face. Uh, so I'm, I would kept waiting for Sasha Banks to come out and be like, what are you doing and all this, and that never came to be. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I mean, I, I was thinking to myself, okay, oh boy, we have another moment of, you know, where the click gets together and breaks that fourth wall. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it, to me, it seems like uh, it was more about just the moment, and uh, let's just be honest, maybe it was more of a shoot, I guess, right there, that they were all happy for each other. You know, I'm sure Natalia feels like she is the gateway for a lot of these young women um, to move on and maybe make that next step into the big main roster. Um, that's probably why she's sticking around NXT, you know, because she's been a Divas champion before. You know, what would the purpose of her being down there in NXT be? Uh, but it's simply to put over some of these younger talents, and that's great. I mean, it's excellent that she's willing to do that. Um, and I think that just became the moment of celebration, and they didn't care who was around or you know breaking uh, the kayfabe and all that. I just think it's cool. I think it's it's to me it's neat sometimes when you get to see real emotion, uh, despite the fact that it kind of doesn't make sense or breaks the the code as you would say. Um, but I mean, they did mention I think later I believe that you know Natalia said she's still going to be gunning for Charlotte. So I think we may see the feud continue to some extent, but you know. I, I think what they wanted here is it's the human aspect. It's when Paige won, she got Triple H to come out and raise her hand, and you know, and she's not. She wasn't totally all about that. You know, she broke down with emotion, but she was also an anti-diva in a way that you know she didn't want to be perceived that way. I too also kind of was thinking about it. Oh, is Charlotte gonna? whack Natalia here or something, but I think in that kind of moment, you realize that it's real to these guys when they win championships, and when when things like these happen, that it's a, it's a big moment. It's not something, it doesn't matter if you lose a title the next week, it's still a huge moment for these, uh, especially for the women, that this is the the highest you're going to go sometimes. I mean, they don't have three, four higher Divas titles that you're going to get. Other than the WWE Divas title, this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is a big deal. It's her first one. Her dad's there with her in the ring. I mean, I understand the whole heel face dynamic. I think even Flair, you know, if this was back in the day, he probably would have said, oh, I don't know about doing that. But this is a different time, I guess. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, everybody, you know, reads news on the internet. Everybody knows what's going on. And, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, you kind of had to keep it secret more. You know, people were in different hotels and different locker rooms for the heels and faces. And people are smartened up. So there's no problem 
with, you know, hey, enjoying the moment, letting them enjoy the moment, even if it's on air in the middle of the ring, you know, they can share that time, you know. We, we see in sports sometimes, I mean, you see players from other teams congratulating and clapping for somebody uh, for breaking a record or doing something special in sports. So, hey, why not in WWE? It's okay with me. Um, but, you know, talking about the match, I mean, I think Paul said it great, and it here it is. They just got so much time, and they used that time to the best of their ability. You know, they could have made that time terrible. They could have really made people regret it, but they didn't. They put on a great show. They really got you into it. I mean, honestly, from start to finish, I was interested in it. I didn't ever waver and say, well, this is getting boring. It stayed interesting the whole way through. So I give mad props to them for what they did tonight. They did a great job, and... I hope they keep this kind of stuff up because if they continue on this path, I think a lot of people will be asking for more from the divas. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I guess uh, moving along here, I mean, this this match was great. I think this show proves just like the last show, not only for WWE pay-per-views, but for NXT specials like this. It's worth having the $10 for the network. It's totally worth it. You may not care at all about the original shows or the old stuff or whatever, but I still don't think $10 is a lot a month for having the network around for moments like this and big shows like this that you can sit down and watch and enjoy it and just be a wrestling fan. Uh, Let's move on to that. The main event. Uh, the one thing I was going to ask is, uh, did you guys understand they were kind of trying to build a little bit into the whole heel character, but I felt like without having a big outburst from Tyson Kidd in that interview, it didn't mean a lot to me. But what did you guys think about that whole interview with Natalia kept stepping on Tyson Kidd and having Michael Cole interview him? I thought the only part that was important was that Telling Tyson Kidd, basically, if you don't win, nobody's going to care. I thought the whole thing, uh, it sort of plays into, I think, what they're trying to do. Uh, Tyson's been this quiet guy, and he's sort of getting stepped on by Natty and all this. And, um, you know, that's cool, because eventually when he does blurt out, it'll mean something if they keep rolling with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to get Tyson's character to be interesting. I mean, he's got all this pressure on him. You know, he's married to somebody who's probably got a bigger name than he does, and I'm probably that's, you know, doesn't make you feel very manly. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just think that it adds up to his character. Um, but besides that, I mean, there's not much to it. I mean, you don't really get that much of a heel vibe from him. It's going to take a really big outburst for him doing some really bad things to make him a heel. I mean, even just the bumps, you know, instead of shaking people's hands and just bumping into them. That's not enough heel. You got to do a lot more than that to really get the heat on you. Uh, yeah, I would, I can see what y'all were saying too. I was just expecting in that interview, something where you would really get Tyson kid to go off on him or, or go off on her or whatever and play off a of total divas and where he has gone a little bit off on her sometimes. Yeah, it, it you know, seems it like it seems like it would work a lot better, Sean. And I agree with you when you're talking about that. If he really went off, if he yelled at her, if he yelled at Michael Cole, 
I think people would definitely get a lot more heat, but for some reason they decided not to do that. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, that's probably like a slow burn to the yeah. heel turn. That's uh, why the NXT likes their slow burns, so. Mm-hmm. True. Which is fine. I mean, they got a lot they got to build to. I mean, they don't have pair views every month. Right. So we'll talk about that because, well, before we get to the main event, Triple H had this conference call where he discussed a lot of things about NXT. He discussed things like having more having more frequent TV tapings because sometimes they are on a delay about what happens between... I mean, they did it great with Bo Dallas. Like, they had him leave, and then he shows up on SmackDown the next night. That doesn't always happen. Um, you know, he talked about... You know, some people were talking about live every week, and he said he'd love to do that, but there's, you know, production costs that go into that. Uh, they said probably at the most uh, bi-weekly, or not bi-weekly, bi- yeah, every two weeks. Um, they've talked about supposedly having an every monthly special to an every two-month special to leaving it the way it is where it's quarterly. Uh, they've talked about different ways of having the superstar, you know, he talked about the whole brand of NXT, whether they're going to just have wrestlers stay there and whatnot. What do you feel is the thing that could, if we're talking about an NXT brand, what do you feel is the thing that they need the most to build the brand more, maybe outside of just getting more different kinds of talent or whatever? We're just talking from a structure standpoint. Is there something they can do? I think more tapings is a better option because uh, I think they tape a month at a time right now. Uh, biweekly definitely makes much more sense to me, two shows at a time. Um, just it, it, it'll help keep the flow going. I think uh, they give you better crowds, even though the NXT crowd is usually always amazing. Uh, and, and I mean, it'll help with bringing people up to the main show. Uh, as far as big shows go, I'm, I'm in favor of keeping them quarterly right now. Um, so far, they haven't dropped the ball yet, and they're two in. Might as well ride it out and see how how well it goes uh, as far as your structure is right now. Uh, keeping guys there is a problem, in my opinion, just because you've built it up as your development territory already. Um, and if you have guys that just sort of stay there, you're going to leave them always wondering whether this guy's going to come up or not. And that's not fair to guys who are coming here trying to get their shot at the main roster or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I want to start with the points that Paul made about you know the the times. Um, I think the tapings do need to be biweekly. Um, that's a great idea. It's annoying sometimes when the storylines are a little bit behind of what happened on Raw or SmackDown, and you know we're like, wait a minute, that didn't match up. You know, I, I think that's why Triple H wants to change it to biweekly. At least they can stay current. Or at least pretty darn close to current with storylines going on on the bigger shows, uh, that helps out. Uh, also, I mean, I think that you know the quarterly thing works perfect because you want it special. I feel like if you did it every month, it wouldn't be a special. That people would start kind of losing interest, and you would just be matching what the main roster does. What I love about the fact uh, the NXT is they do kind of do. Let's just be honest. What TNA does, they don't have as many pay per views. So they don't have as many specials on NXT. That's that actually works. You can do the slow burns. You can build things. You can you know keep a storyline going for a long period of time. I like that. So that all all that sounds great and is set. 
uh, I also agree with Paul on the fact that you don't want to put a cap on these guys and not let them move on to the main roster. You've got to give indie guys a reason to come to NXT. So you're talking about like guys like Kevin Steen. You know, they come over to NXT, but are they really going to be happy just wrestling there in NXT? Well, sure, if, they're, if they just want a steady paycheck and maybe a good paycheck. But I'm sure most of those guys have ambitions of making a Raw and making a big, you know, special pay-per-view. You know, they want to be on SummerSlam. They want to be at WrestleMania. If you take that away and put a cap on NXT and say, oh, no, that's just another brand, I think you're going to lose out on some guys because I think guys would rather just travel instead of going and getting stuck in one place. Yeah, and then you have to move everything over to Orlando, you know, change your whole situation depending on where you're at and everything. Uh, and, and you, you already also, have to do that anyway, but yeah. But you also, in WB, there's a lot of rules that you don't have on the indies. You do, you get stuck with the name you might not like. You get stuck with a gimmick that you're not sure you're into. And on the indies, you got freedom. You can pick pretty much almost right. anything you want. And you can do that same gimmick in all the countries that you can find. Right, but that also goes with WWE. If you go up to the main roster, then you're still... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk with that character, too, whether you like it or not. You have to deal with what they give you. Mm-hmm. And once you're on the main roster, then it's a, it's a WWE product. It's a trademark thing. You no longer can do... If you get successful doing that character, you can't do that character if you leave WWE. Exactly. Most of the time. So, uh, I see what y'all are saying. I'm, I've never been in favor of keeping the guys there. I've always thought that that was, unless you get people that are, they have just started on the indies or you know for sure that you're never going to be able to do nothing with them, then okay, maybe. Or you get some of these older guys that they're so old, but they have a traction on the indies that they'll get people in the door. Mm-hmm. But you know that they're just too old and you can't do stuff with them. You have them there as extra trainers. You have them there as people that you can use for the younger talent, but I'm not I'm not sold on having... You can build a brand and have people leave. You always It's still a developmental territory at the end of the day as Paul said, and and I think Chip Lights even said this. He has to, We can't lose focus of what this place is. It's still developing the future. And even if you only have one special that Kevin Steen or whoever shows up on, at least he's on that one special, and then you get to see him in WWE and get to see what he does. Mm-hmm. And even then, the cool thing about having the brand is, let's say he doesn't work in <laughs> WWE for some reason or another, he can go back to NXT and he can sell tickets there and they can repackage him there or they can just kind of let him be who he is there for a while until they can feel like they can give him another shot. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the cool thing about having the brand. And I think at the... The only thing, yeah, I would totally agree with having more bi- have bi-weekly tapings for sure, uh, and I think at the most you can have one every two months, have six a year. But if you go to every month format, it becomes like having two WWE pay-per-views you have to watch every month, 
And even though it's only two hours instead of three hours for the NXT, it's still, you know, a lot of people are watching. I mean, you're getting more bang for your buck. You're definitely now really getting the worth it for the ten, you know, the ten dollars a month you're paying. But I mean, that's a lot for the creative team to have to think of, and they don't have as much freedom anymore mm-hmm. as they do now. So let's move on to this final thing, the main event: Neville and uh, Tyson Kidd. Definitely way better than Bo Dallas Adrian Neville ladder match. So. That's a plus right there. Best main event out of the uh, two specials. Um, where does it rank for you out of the three big matches? And uh, I mean, these two were like for like, pretty similar to each other. They really tried to go out there and they tried to outdo each other on the mat at first. I thought that was really interesting. And they just pulled out all the stops, I felt. And it was really well done. I think we felt Neville was going to win because you could see they were... Alluding to what happened later on the post-show where Tyson Kidd kind of stormed off and is starting that heel turn. But how do you feel about the match and all that? Uh, I thought this was also really good. Um, it, you had Breeze and Zayn earlier play this really fast pace. You had Charlotte and Natalia work this more heavy ground game. And I think the Neville and Kidd kind of cut in between the two. It was a much faster pace sort of chain wrestling uh, that we got at the beginning before they started going all out. Um, this one also tells a story, uh, that of that they're essentially almost the same guy. So you see them like throwing drop kicks at the same time. There's that cross body block move that they did. Uh, they're reversing a lot of moves. Um, one of the guys in our uh, Facebook group, uh, Josh Day, compared a lot to uh, Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn from ECW back in the late 90s, which is high praise uh, to say the least. Um, and it's it's just it's a really good solid match. Uh, Neville takes it with a red arrow, which might this might have been his most impressive one I've seen him do. Um, he just got really, really high in the air. Uh, that could Kip, be a nice uh, setup to the yeah. doing the super rana. Yeah, for like I thought they were about to fall whenever they did that too, because yeah, it looked so too. off balance and oh, but it turned out beautifully. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Honestly, th- this match was pretty awesome. I-, I really felt like it was good. And of course, it wasn't a match of the night or anything, but I think they did a great job. I love the fact that they've told the story in this match. They really did a good job of that. Um, I really felt the struggle of Tyson Kidd and him really trying to prove a point. And of course, you could kind of tell in-, in the way that Neville was wrestling and the-, the style that he was using, he was really trying to tell a story of himself that hey I deserve to be champion and all of that I, I just think they did a great job of that uh, you know it had some great spots in this match and it was just entertaining all around I, I really do wish that you know we'd get a little bit more heat on Tyson Kidd I think I already talked about that a little bit in that video package but I think also in the ring as well I think if you guys are talking about slow burn I'm okay with it but if it's not a slow burn I'm not okay with it so let's just be honest. But besides that, a great match and not a bad way to end this show. I like the way that they ended it. And, you know, Neville is still champion. I think that's probably the correct way to go. I thought maybe for a chance Tyson Kidd would get it. But I don't know. After I kind of saw some things happen during this show, I kind of feel like Neville keeping it was maybe the better idea. I don't think this is the last time we're going to see this match either. I think we'll get a rematch with a more heel-heavy kid in it. Yeah, and I hope so. I definitely do. Yeah, I agree. We'll get another match from these two for sure. 
even though I'm sh maybe they'll make it a triple threat with Tyler Breeze or something after Tyler Breeze gets his shot or something. Uh oh, they're gonna Batista him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Tyler Breeze is gonna be mad, and he won't build. He'll leave and do his video, his movie production stuff. So yeah, right. <laughs> Sour the kid before he even gets to the main roster. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you got uh, the post show was interesting. You had Sami Zayn come out and he was, you know, upset about his loss. And then you had Adam Rose come in and try to, you know, he told him not to be a lemon and they got the dancing. Which that was wonderful. fun. Uh, you had uh, Charlotte and Natalia have a great segment where, you know, Charlotte came out and asked who they wanted her to. Face next, everybody chanting for Bailey, and then Natalia came out and made it known that she's not gonna be done in NXT. She said that you know now with the network that NXT and WWE are kind of equal to her, so she's gonna be around and gonna wrestle Charlotte again. And then Tyler Breeze laid across the table and announced that you know he's coming for that title to Adrian Neville. Uh, you had Tyson Kidd also storm off the set when he was asked by Paul Heyman rather rudely how he felt about losing. Uh, which almost felt like Heyman started shooting at the end of that. It was rather uh, rather weird. Renee kind of almost looked like she felt uncomfortable at times. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, she's just a great actress, one of the two. Probably both. <laughs> Probably both. And yes, uh, I think Carrie's called a little bit early here, but that's cool. I think he wanted to talk about TakeOver as well. The guy that does the raw reactions on Monday nights right before our podcast airs Usually around uh, 11 to 11.30, starting, going all the way to 12 or 12.30 on Monday nights, right after Raw ends. Catch him on Powerhouse Radio, iTunes, and Stitcher. How are you doing, Mr. Harry? I'm good, Sean, Paul, Gary. Good evening, guys. Good evening, man. Good How evening. you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, I told Sean that I would help you guys out with Shikara, but as I said, I figured I'd swing in and give you my thoughts on TakeOver as well, since I actually happened to catch it live. Yeah, shoot, Go man. for it. All right. Um, Adam Rose and Camacho, when are they just going to acknowledge that Camacho is Haku's son? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole angry Mexican thug, gangster, poser, whatever you want to call him, it's not working. Especially not if he's going to be doing five-minute job matches to Adam Rose. Yeah, they got rid of the bicycle, but they still kind of kept him in that same boat anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think they should have changed his music, too. People still get the vibe, even though you take the bicycle away. The music doesn't help. Yeah. yeah it'll, um, it'll probably be a mute point soon. I mean, I don't see him sticking around in the WWE for much longer, to be honest. Uh, same here. I got a funny feeling that when they do whatever cleaning they want to call it this year, spring or fall, he's going to be one of the names. Yeah. Can't wait to see him at TNA. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Don't get Harry started on TNA, I guess. And your new TNA heavyweight champion. Don't get yeah. started on TNA. <laughs> but Samoa Joe came back this uh, tonight, by the way. So... There you go. Spoiler alert, Sean. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It was tonight. Thursday is Impact. Whatever. <laughs> yes, but most people with a brain were watching Takeover. 
<laughs> well, most people with a brain that watch TNA probably already read the spoilers anyway. But this wasn't a spoiler. This is when Impact actually airs. This is true. <laughs> um, moving on. What was the next one? I missed the tag match. We had some stream issues. Uh, I understand that the Ascension retained. Um, I don't know that there's a team in NXT right now that's a viable threat to the NXT, to the Ascension, and I think that's a problem. Mm, I agree. Because what yeah. what's the point of having a tag team division if you have no credible challengers for your champions? Ask TNA that question. I, I, I don't know. NXT is at least trying to fix that problem where TNA is just sort of letting it hang, but... Uh, you know, you got whenever somebody beats the Ascension, it'll matter. Is what we're gonna get eventually. Yeah, TNA. Okay, NXT. They're fixing it, but they're doing a slow burn and fixing because I haven't seen them fix it enough. I want to see a. I mean, they just started building yeah. some tag teams a couple weeks ago. I mean, let's be fair here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I honestly would not be surprised to see Sami Zayn as one half of the team that finally knocks off the the Ascension. I think the crowd will go nuts if uh, Sami Zayn comes in and says, my tag partner, Kevin Steen, oh. or whatever they're going to call him. <laughs> oh, oh, I could hear, we'd be able to hear the pop all the way up here in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy, here is Steen Kevin, everyone. <laughs> I got nothing for that. <laughs> brilliant oh man but yeah I think uh, you know what anything to do to help the NXT tag division it, it'll be brilliant because I think the Ascension needs somebody to go against that's actual you know contenders for the NXT titles and, and they'll get there um, and of course it, it really makes me wonder and I want to ask you this Harry we've talked about it on the podcast before but what do you think about the Ascension? I want your personal opinion about the Ascension, and would they ever make the main roster? Uh, if there was a time to bring them up, it would have been this year for WrestleMania with Kane. Okay. Do you, do you um, agree with Sean? What? Do you agree with Sean's assessment that they're really not that great? You know, They're just a, basically a limited moveset tag team. Um... Connor O'Brien used to be something credible. I mean, I remember watching him when in the original NXT, the version that aired on WWE.com, and being somewhat impressed by what I saw there, especially from the NXT Redemption season. Mm. Oh, Connor's definitely the better of the two. Yeah, he's definitely I, the money. Yeah, I can't say I know a whole lot about Rick Victor. Yeah. As uh, far as do I... As far as do I see them working out on the main roster? Honestly, probably not, but it would depend on who they would associate them with. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, too, though. They need to have a lot of tag teams that the Ascension can go through. Which they do, but I mean, at some point, beating 3MB and Los Matadores is going to be like, okay, who cares? <laughs> Kind of like how it is now. That's why they have to feud with each other. (laughs) Go ahead, Harry. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, Continuing on here, uh, Sami Zayn and Tyler Breeze, I thought, was match of the night. Honestly, either three of those I could 
see somebody's point for match of the night. Mm-hmm. As good as Charlotte and Natalia was having a chance to think about it, I actually think Paige and Emma at a rival was better. Mm. That's a tough I call. I disagree, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not what? so sure I agree, but I, I think that that page match, page and Emma was pretty darn good too, though. <laughs> but going back to Sami Zayn and Tyler Breeze here, the move that you guys were questioning about Sami with the brick with the double underhook, he was looking for an orange crush. It's he does that scissor lift into the butterfly, lifts the person up into a suplex, and then sits out with a sit out power bomb out of it. Oh, yeah. God, no wonder Tyler Breeze goofed it up. That's a whole lot to go through. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it's just one of those things where miscommunications happen, and they were able to recover it pretty well, I thought, with Sammy rolling through on the uh, the roll-up counter. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could tell it got screwed up, but it wasn't to the point where it would have been super noticeable to the casual fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so agree. it was a good thing on both of their parts. Uh, the super kick by Tyler Breeze looked vicious. Oh yeah, that you could hear that into the in the next town probably. Yeah. So is he the next HBK? I mean, he's already got the more HBK music. Now he's got the super kick. <laughs> Who knows? They were trying to make Morrison into that. Mm-hmm. I'd buy it. We just have to find him his Sherry Martel. That probably wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> well, especially given the depth of talent down there in NXT in the, in the women's division at the present moment. Mm. Um, the, I thought the finish was intriguing as well there because technically it was a heel move, but in, in a sense, Tyler was also just defending himself by putting his hands up. He can't help the fact that Sammy ran growing first into his arms that were blocking his face from the Huluba kick. Right. <laughs> I thought it was a really creative finish. Yeah. Yeah, it was really well done. It's straight from one finisher to the other finisher. I like stuff like that. You know, it shows that it's, you know, the the wrestler's thinking about, okay, I think I've got him vulnerable here. Let's just finish it off. Yeah, not to mention Zayn sells the beauty shot like death. Mm-hmm. Oh, that backflip sell off of the beauty shot. It was really nice. Yes, I yeah. agree with you there. Moving on to Charlotte and Natalia, I think a lot of what happened in the post-match was real emotion, especially with Flair and their breaking down like a little girl. And I mean that in the best way possible. Well, yeah, I mean, because, only one of his kids he's seen actually, you know, get to that moment. See? Mm-hmm. He probably was uh, thinking about his son, too, I think, honestly, because I think he felt like his son could have reached things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and uh, um, Charlotte even mentions Reed without mentioning yeah. his name in the post-show. Go ahead, Harry, sorry. No, I, I didn't catch all of the post-show, but... Yeah, the big thing for me with the Charlotte thing was, too, is... And I was walking with a couple friends of mine downstairs, and the very first thought I had when Charlotte got into the ring is, wow, she's already better than David Flair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and the match itself did nothing to change my opinion. I consider myself a convert. She's, she's going to be something when she gets the call up. I completely agree. Uh, this is definitely an eye-opening match if you've ever been sort of sour on Charlotte. 
Uh, I'm sure Natty had a lot to do with that, but she looked like a million bucks tonight. Yeah, because I mean, I'll be honest with you, I was one of those people. I, I, I wasn't ne- necessarily sour on her. I just didn't really feel like she had the talent that people were saying she had. Uh, this kind of changed my mind. I feel like she does have a bright future if she keeps it up. Do you think some of the credit from tonight's performance should go to Sarah Del Rey? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure that she helped along with that. She's been doing a fantastic job with the women's division down there. You look at uh, you look at how much Paige progressed before she came up to the main roster. You look at people like Naomi and Cameron who are getting better, if not, well, Hell with the Bellas. Yeah, the Bellas. <laughs> That's a good example, especially Bree. Both of them. I mean, I'm sure it was Sarah Del Rey that helped Nikki come up with an actual finish that looks like it could hurt someone. Mm. No. Yeah, at least they're not both using the X Factor anymore. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that was like the go-to women's finish for years, going all the way back to Poison Ivory. Yeah, yeah. true. And then... I will agree that I think Tyson Kidd and Adrian Neville was better than the Bo Dallas Adrian Neville match, but I think this the match itself had the advantage of not being a stipulation match, so those two were able to go out there and work in the context of a normal match. Now, do I think the Adrian Neville Bo Dallas singles match would be as entertaining as the one tonight? No. But at the same time, you kinda got Neville constricted under the confines of the ladder match where he was able to go out and show everybody what he can do tonight. Right. Well, plus you I have did. Kid and uh, <clears throat> Neville are a, you know, match made in heaven. They're very similar. I mean, the, the Bo Dallas and uh, Neville match that was a singles match that they had on NXT was much better than their ladder match. So you have a point about the whole stipulation thing. I think they were nervous, too. Bo Dallas is probably not the guy you want in a ladder match. But, yeah, your, your points are valid here. I just wanted to bring up the whole point of... Uh, the singles thing that, you know, Bo and, and Adrian Neville won a singles match wasn't bad either. Yeah, plus, you uh, about... Go ahead. Uh, so, uh, plus, I mean, Bo, we've noticed recently, seems to have a lot of trouble connecting with people in the ring. Uh, I've never seen Tyson have that problem in my life. Oh, I think Tyson's probably one of the most underrated workers on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys asked me how I thought the Ascension would fare if they ever got the call up to the main roster. How do you guys think Adrian Neville is going to do? You know, I don't think Adrian's ever going to be main event guy, um, but he's definitely going to be that mid-card guy that makes you want to show up every show and see what he's going to do. Yeah, he definitely is going to be able to be what Evan Bourne had a shot to be, but better because he's even better than what Matt Seidel is. He can do more tricks than just the red arrow. And, you know, all the flips and stuff that he does just in his match and some of the other aerial moves he does uh, probably will make him a hit with the fans. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I could see him taking the Evan Bourne role there. And you were mentioning about the fact that uh, we, we see more and more of Adrian Neville. One of the things that really impressed me in the match tonight was when... Uh, when Tyson Kidd won for Eddie Guerrero's MDK, and Neville full-on backflipped out of it. Yeah. I thought that was really impressive. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Par for the course for Adrian. If there's a move, he can probably flip out of it somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the man that gravity forgot. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, that guy has so much talent. I mean, it, he doesn't honestly have to hit the top of the level. You know, the top, the biggest point in WWE to be popular, to be, you know, to get people behind him. Um, he'll be basically, hopefully, be in the Rey Mysterio role. You know, just be just a great talent that people want to show up and watch. I could see that. I would honestly kind of see him in the Ray role just without the merchandise sales because Ray has that whole mask thing going for him there. Yeah. And I just I don't I don't see any way that you could you would be able to uh, commercialize Neville on a mainstream basis, especially with his inability to talk. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That, Go ahead. It's not that he's a bad promo; it's just he's un ununderstandable with that accent. It's just so thick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to get Sin Car to translate for him. Um, <laughs> we know watch that. <laughs> I wasn't aware he spoke lucha. <laughs> but uh, if you watch uh, the Scooby Doo movie, he does. <laughs> no, but honestly, I, I totally agree with you, Harry, on, on Neville the merchandise thing. Um, I was just going by, you know, ring ability and what he can do in the ring. Uh, I even worry about Sami Zayn to an extent when he does reach that next level because as of right now, I haven't seen enough of him on the mic where I really feel like people are just going to be like, oh, this guy is awesome. I want to buy all his T-shirts. I think uh, Zayn is better on the mic than Brian was at that stage. I would completely agree there. I think Sammy. I think Sammy can talk. He just didn't do a whole lot of it with El, with the El Generico character. I think that that was by design, though. I he he always comes off as real nervous on the microphone, um, especially with like uh, I, I was at uh, WrestleMania 28. He did uh, a five dollar wrestling thing with Colt Cabana and stuff like that. And you know he's he's just a nervous guy. I think near the microphones and stuff, but. There's this light, incredibly likable quality that he has about him that just makes you want to cheer for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he'll be in that same vein as Daniel Bryan is right now. Not to mention he's small, but he does some big power moves too. He's not just going around, flipping around and kicking people and stuff. He he does do moves that are not normal for guys his size. Definitely. All right, My other thing. Go ahead, sorry. Real quick here, just so before, and I'll let you guys wrap this up here. Uh, my other thing about Sami Zayn is, was anybody else anticipating perhaps the start of a heel turn for Sami when uh, Adam Rose interrupted him on the post show? Yeah, I thought about it for <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but I figured uh, you can't have Adam Rose look bad at all during this because you don't know who's watching. Yeah. Right. That is very true. You're trying to get Adam Rosa over as much as possible right now. So, Well, um, I guess that's NXT TakeOver, guys. We've covered everything I think we need to cover in that. And I think it's time for us to move on to Ch- Ch- Chikara. Sean, did you have any music for Chikara? Yes, I do. Awesome. Let's do it. Hit the ground running, I think yeah. that was supposed to be their uh, podcast theme or something. At some point. Yeah, sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. So, Chikara, you only live twice. Paul, take it away, sir. 
Uh, all right. If you've never heard of Chikara before, um, it's a tremendous promotion. It's uh, it, it's just, it's not so big on crazy matches like Ring of Honor or uh, stuff like. That. It's just, it make it takes wrestling and just makes it insanely fun. Uh, it's a family friendly atmosphere. Um, there's a very strict rules about cursing and all that for trance and stuff like that. Um, it's also a promotion that takes its history very, very seriously. Um, most of the factions on here date back to 2011, 2010. Um, some of their storylines that have kept going carry over since the huge uh, Chikara special controversy back in 2008. Um, so there's all that stuff happening. Um, Chikara's You Only Live Twice is from Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, the big angle sort of going on right now is the return of um, essentially Chikara. It got shut down by this big conglomerate promo or, uh, business, and it's been bought back, and you have a whole bunch of bad guys who don't want it back, and they're all grouped up in this group called The Flood, uh, which leads us into our opening match, which is the BDK, uh, which is essentially a Norse-inspired German sort of thing that's led by Ares, who has essentially two gods of war with him, who everybody thought Noken was Tursus, but it turns out Tursus comes back. He attacks the Spectral Envoy to start it out, which is Ultramantis Black, Hallowicked, and Frightmare, who are your King of Trios 2012 champions, which is an insanely fun tournament that they're going to do again this year. Um, this is a fun match. I absolutely love Ultramantis and everything about BDK, so... Um, you didn't get to see a lot of Frightmare, unfortunately. He's really special. Uh, he's a pretty much a giant flying Super Bowl. That's the best way I can explain him. <laughs> uh, it was a great match, though. Harry, uh, what'd you think? Uh, the best description I can give people for Frightmare that have never seen him is Spike Dudley without the drug problem. <laughs> that works, too. <laughs> Uh, as far as the uh, opening trio contest goes, I thought it was really good. It was really nice to see Tarsus back because we didn't know, and obviously the Maiko guy that used to run one of the Wrestling Is promotions, we couldn't really tell if he had anything going for him as far as in the ring goes, but as Shakara fans, we know what Tarsus can bring. We've seen the stuff that he's done with Green Ant back at High Noon in 2011, I think it was, and then... Mm -hmm. And then we've seen the stuff that he's done with the BDK when the BDK was in full with everybody from Ares, Claudio, Del Rey, Daisy, Pinky Sanchez, Tim Don, Salente Dorado, and Tursus. Absolutely. So it was yeah. nice to see. It was nice to see Tursus return. Uh, I too am a big fan of the Spectral Envoy. Ultramantis Black is one of my favorite wrestlers out of Shakara. I had the chance when they came to Cleveland a couple years ago to pick up one of his towels and he signed it for me. So class act too. But um. As far as, the, as far as the opening match went, I thought it was a really fast-paced, really strong way to open the show. I was surprised that they gave the heel faction the win in the opening contest of the show, but I was really happy to see the return of the Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. As far as triple-team finishers go, that move is absolutely vicious. <laughs> Completely agree with you. Which um, I guess explain that for people like Gary that didn't get to watch the... Yeah, I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> oh, so the uh, the Ragnarok, you essentially uh, you have Noken and Tursus hold you up uh, sort of uh, with an arm each above their heads, and you're sort of left hanging there. And then you have Ares run in between the two of you, push your legs, and they essentially spin you around and slam you. And it's incredibly brutal. <laughs> oh, that sounds brutal. <laughs> um, do, you guys remember brutal. The, do you guys remember the Backseat Boys? 
I do. Uh, Trent Acid and Johnny Cashmere, their finishing move, the T gimmick, it starts like that, and then it basically swings you into a pendulum power slam. Right. Oof. That sounds terrible. It looks every bit as nasty as it sounds. Sounds. <laughs> Speaking of which, rest in peace, Trent Acid. Tremendous wrestler. Um, this is a great man. I agree. This is a great start. Uh, you guys want to say anything? Or? I don't remember a lot of this. I just want I remember more of the match that comes after than this did. Well, how could you not? Because Ashley Remington makes yes. his <laughs> debut and comes roaring into our hearts. Uh, <laughs> smooth sailing, Ashley Remington. There's a video series on the Chikara YouTube page that sort of gives you a backstory for this guy. Uh, he's essentially the nephew of a longtime fan favorite wrestler, uh, Lester Crabtree, who was essentially a wrestling old man. Uh, he's wonderful, but he died and left his fortune to Ashley Remington, who is now trying to make good on his uncle's wishes. He's facing off against uh, an indie favorite and one of my favorite wrestlers on the indies right now, Chuck Taylor, uh, the Kentucky Gentleman. Uh, this, for me, was match of the night. It was it was exactly what I think Chikara is. It's a great wrestling with a whole bunch of fun mixed into it. Um, Remington looked really impressive. Uh, I'm sure Chuck Taylor had something to do with that, but anybody who wants to finish a match with the Haas of Pain gets a thumbs up from me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the, uh, he comes out with the whole looking like a captain off a ship. <laughs> Everybody's, uh, the music, the, uh, the, giving the people the, fr- the, the guy, the fruit basket at the end. <laughs> after yeah. He lo- after he wins. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fruit baskets. <laughs> I think my favorite part about it was how LSC and Bryce were just constantly going above and beyond to kiss his butt on commentary as well. Pointing oh, yeah, over what a swell guy, what a nice chap he is. I thought that really added to the character as well. Absolutely. Uh, apparently, being a wrench gentleman means you go yachting a lot. Uh, so that's where a lot of this gear, this gimmick comes from. <laughs> Which, whatever works, I loved it. Um, personally, I can't wait to see more from the guy. You could say he <laughs> sailed right into our hearts. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That would oh, be the puns keep flying on this show. I know. Like, <laughs> all right. NXT set the bar for puns tonight, so we're only doing our best to continue the tradition. <laughs> Nothing will beat Cesaro's. That's true. Uh, Nothing we can come up will beat Cesaro's. Um, as far as the match itself goes, yes, I love the uh, anchors away finishing move that, uh, as you mentioned, the Hoss of Pain, that's one of my favorite submission moves, and it is real nice to see somebody bringing it back into the forefront. Uh, I think Remington has potential to be a huge baby face for season 14 for Shakara. And especially if the fans are reacting to him just like the way that the people inside of the Funplex in Easton did in the Palmer Community Center. Oh, for sure. Also need to mention, they drew 1,500 people for this event, which is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, really. that's, that's pushing Ring of Honor levels. Um, and if for... they only wishes they could draw that many at a... Yeah. <laughs> Did you happen to see the uh, iPay-Per-View total that was released as well? Uh, I did not. I did buy the iPay-Per-View, though. I watched this live on Sunday. They did the. Uh, they did about the same on iPay-Per-View. Uh, Smartmark Video reported 1,497 iPay-Per-View buys, which is the most in Smartmark Video iPay-Per-View history. Man, that's, that's, awesome. just, that's terrific. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
So what's the thing with the seasons? Like, uh, so Chikara likes to pack everything in one year. So you'll get you'll generally get a an overarching storyline from January to December, and they'll do their best to try to wrap up as much of that before they go over into the next season. Um, it's also just a nice way to sort of pack everything together and makes it sound cool. <laughs> the other thing about that too is it gives new fans excellent starting points as well. Like you can start with the shows at the very start of a season, or you can go back into earlier seasons and pick up from there wherever wherever the storyline might happen to pique your interest. The ongoing storyline right now that uh, Paul was mentioning about the flood actually ties all the way back to the beginning of the BDK back in uh, back in 2009, and even further than that into the uh, Shikara special storyline that started all the way back in t- late 2007. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous amounts of storytelling in Shikara, and it's wonderful. Uh, if, you, if you like continuums and all that, and... Uh, I mean, these guys even brought in time travel for their story recently, so it's all there. Uh, it's it's wonderful. Archie, Archie. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that guy later because he's wonderful. Um, Might as well bring Doctor Who on to Shakara too. <laughs> hey man, they, back it. they used a DeLorean to get back there, so oh, take awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a very. I, I would just... Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry here. I would just recommend that he avoid time traveling. We all saw what it did to Michael J. Fox. That's true. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Continue. <laughs> we get uh, we get a brief segment with Chikara's new owner, quote unquote, uh, is Robbie Ellis. He's he's had some history with the promotion. He's uh God. He's probably one of the oldest active wrestlers. If he still does wrestle, I know he's 71 now. Um, he's been around everywhere though. Uh, and he comes out and announces our new director of fun, which is Chikara's equivalent of a commissioner, is Mike Quackenbush, who I don't think can wrestle anymore. Uh, he had a serious back injury that he's got surgery on, hence the cane that he comes out walking on. And uh, Quack pretty much just expresses his thanks and marvels at how many people are there and how awesome Chikara fans are for bringing it back and stuff like that. Anything you guys want to toss in on that, or you want to keep on moving? Um, I'll, I'll touch on it real quick here. I'll give you guys a little bit of the backstory of Robbie Ellis. Uh, Robbie Ellis was promoted when he was officially in Shakar as part of the Fabulous thir- as part of one of the hangers on for the Fabulous Three, which was Mitch Ryder, Larry Sweeney, God rest his soul, and Shane Hawk, who Buck Hawk, who actually happened to come down to the ring with Mike Crack with with Quackenbush. Excuse me which I thought was a nice bit of continuity as well to bring uh, Shane Hawk back. Or, excuse yeah. me, not with Quack. He came down with Robbie Ellis. But, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was wondering if he's going to be his, um, his uh, rock star spud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually like spud. Anyway. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, we all do. We were just laughing at the fact that we got a Rockstar Spud reference in here. I know, finally. <laughs> as far as Robbie Ellis goes, I think um, Shane Hawk, or Buck Hawk, actually I think he is back to using Shane Hawk now. I think Shane Hawk's going to be kind of his man on the scene, whereas Robbie's not going to be doing a ton of wrestling, or a ton of uh, traveling at 70, obviously. Right. So uh, you, you get the feeling that Shane Hawk will be kind of Robbie Ellis's eyes and ears lied at the events and stuff because you would think that Shane would be much more likely to go to these ones. Um, 
I'm a little disappointed that Quack can't wrestle anymore. Quack is one of my favorites. I would put him in my top five all time. Um, but it is nice to see that Quack is able to stick around in an active visual role because that was something that Shakara fans were a lot of Shakara fans were wondering, especially given the way that the Ashes videos went and how when Icarus confronted Quack, Quack kind of was very nonchalant about the actual return there because there wasn't a whole lot that Quack could do. Right. I think that has more to do with how he's presented on uh, on camera. Um, you know, I mean, obviously he owns Chikara and all that, but, uh, you know, on camera, they did a pretty good job of just making him be top babyface man. Um, so I just think that was more what it was about. Um, the Ashes video, by the way, where the lead, it's a giant video series in the lead-up to the return event. Um, it's sort of Icarus's story on how he tried to get Chikara back. Pretty interesting. They're, uh, I think they're on Chikara's YouTube page. If not, there is a movie all out there together you can buy. I think it's like 12 bucks. Um, I was, Moonrod- I was, go ahead. I was going to say the uh, Ashes video actually became a full-length feature presentation called The Ashes, the Ashes of Shikara. I believe it is available through the store on uh, shikarapro.com. Yeah, I think that's right, too. Uh, I think it's somewhere around $12, um, something like that. I know it's not very much. Uh, moving right along with the show, though, we get the uh, the Auditorium, which is another one of these big groups associated with the Flood, who is uh, Sin Bodhi, who used to be Kazarni, uh, with the debuting Oliver Grimsley and Kefka the Quiet, who's a wrestling mime. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, they're taking um, on... Real quick. Go for it. Sorry to interrupt here, but real quick, Oliver Grimsley was actually not debuting. He was in a Young Lions Cup. Oh, you're sure right. You're sure right. Uh, well, I mean, it's such a one-off thing. I keep forgetting about him. <laughs> the only reason I know it is because Bryce mentioned it on commentary. Oh, I must have missed that. I was too busy while laughing at Kefka because he was my favorite part of this whole trio on the other side. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? He mimes. And then the yeah. crowd was like, we hate mimes. We hate yeah. mimes. <laughs> uh, they're taking on uh, the Bateria, which is Oberia and Kodama and Cobalt, who Sin Bodhi actually brought into Chikara for Ultramantis Black's ultra-devious purposes before they kind of turned on him and stuff like that. Uh... I personally am never, uh, I'm always surprised by the Bateria and how much they grow with every show. It seems like uh, Oberian and Kodama have gotten obscenely better since they came out. And they were already pretty good coming out the gate. Kobold is a wrestling kobold, uh, or a goblin. Um, it's about as entertaining as it sounds. He likes doing high-pitched screams and everybody laughs. <laughs> this, uh, well, it's he, not... Go ahead. He wasn't laughing at the end of the night, but we'll get to that. Right. <laughs> uh, they do. Uh, it's a pretty good back and forth match too. Uh, this isn't as good as the opener, in my opinion, but it's still fun. Uh, they get to do more uh, high flying stuff than the opener did. Um, but I mean, Kefka. I think Kefka really made an impression on me. Grimsley is still kind of there, um, and then Kazarni is still pretty much Kazarni, except like super duper demented now. And he also had a thing. He was wearing this uh, like butcher's skirt thing. And he kept lifting it up to show off his crotch area to people, and it was pretty funny. <laughs> he goes Braveheart on him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Except, you know, there's obvious trunks there and stuff, because it's kid show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly surprised Kazarni was brought back in after the, uh, the Larry Sweeney controversy with him. Yeah, I, I am too. I'm glad they did, though. It's a good bit of uh, continuum to sort of tie in, though, because, I mean, he is responsible for the material. 
I agree. I mean, I'm glad that he's part of the flood, but it's just one of those things about this season that actually really surprised me because Kazarni kind of disappeared with the uh, with the fake Eye of Tear from Ultramantis Black. The Eye of Tear is a story completely in and of itself. We don't really have a ton of time to get into that right now, but it was the it was a mind controlling device that Sinbo D wanted from Ultramantis Black in exchange for the Batiri, and Mantis gave Mantis gave uh, Bodhi a fake one. So it made storyline sense for Bodhi to come back after Ultramantis and after his group of trained goblins as well in order to exact revenge for being given the the, the fake eye of tear. Absolutely. Um, more storyline continuum, good stuff. Um, Sean, did you get to this match at all? Yeah, I got through... I think this was the last one that I got through and I I fairly enjoyed it. The uh ending where he just kicks him in the balls to get DQ'd was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. <laughs> I just couldn't get past the miming thing. That was just great for me because you don't see that ever unless you're watching something like this, which this is what just from watching the three or four matches I got to watch, I really uh enjoyed everybody. It, I had some people tell me, "Oh, you're going to watch that? Okay, enjoy it because you'll really get to see the difference of watching something that's completely different than anything else wrestling-wise that you ever watch." Uh it's so cool that you have every match can be different because they might do comedy, they might be serious wrestling or it just might be a mix of the two and it's uh a refresher, I guess, from all the other, you know, just total wrestling stuff we watch all the time. Absolutely. Um, if you've never watched Char before, this is a great show to start out with. Uh, it's pretty much a complete relaunch um, from everything, but just tying in most of the last big stories from the past five years. Um, well, there is one other thing that I would suggest that they watch, Paul. Oh, uh, the Anniversario show? Uh, well, either the anniversary show or more specifically from February, National Pro Wrestling Day. Oh, yes. I keep, I mean, that's not really a Chikara branded show, but it is a wrestling is fun show, so. <laughs> Might as well be, right? <laughs> and the other thing is about the, the, uh, the National Pro Wrestling Day is where the official kickoff towards the build for, uh, for You Only Live Twice is, is where it started. Right. That's where you get to see the DeLorean and all that fun stuff go down. So there you uh, go, well, Gary. You know which show you got to watch. Oh, definitely. Some good wrestling on that show, too. Um, a lot of fun. Much like this one. Hollow Wicked and Mike Bennett have a pretty solid match at that show. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of uh, the main event until they did the uh, the Chikara overarching thing, too. Uh, oh, for uh, the... Heidi Lovelace and um, what's his name? Joe like Pittman? Joe Pittman, yeah. Pittman really impressed me. I've always been a big fan of Heidi Lovelace, too. I think she's really underrated. Uh, she fits right in with that Chikara mold, I think, too, of them having blurring the gender lines and such, if they're going to keep doing that like they were doing with Sarah Del Rey. And Daisy Hayes. Yeah, I completely agree. Would not be surprised at all to see Heidi Lovelace become a recur recurring character this season. Yeah. So uh, we move from uh, that uh, trios match into our uh, another singles match here with Juan Francisco de Corde uh, Cordonado who I have trouble saying because Ecuadorian names are hard, as he takes on Jervis Cottonbelly. Yeah. Jervis Cottonbelly, who is an old-school wrestling gentleman, if there ever was one. Uh, he's got a monocle on his mask. It's completely wonderful. He comes out in a bowler and cane. He's passing out flowers. 
all around terrific gentleman. That just sounds hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Dude, it's Jervis is great. <laughs> what kind of a name is Jervis Cottonbelly? What the The best, he Sean. Does have cotton belly. He does have a cotton belly. <laughs> <laughs> Juan Francisco is pretty much ADR, except uh, better mic skills and more heat. <laughs> People love to hate this guy. Uh, he's a Class A jerk. Um, and this match is pretty good. It's it's relatively short. Uh, Juan Francisco gets the win after messing with Jervis's mask and turns it around on him and then hits him with a German. Um, I really hope both of these guys stick around. I love both of them. You would have to think that uh, Juan Francisco de Coronado is probably going to be the biggest non-flood heel or Rudo in Chicara Lexicon this year in, in Chicara. Yeah. Much uh, like I feel that Ashley Remington will be the biggest overarching babyface or Technico that isn't associated with the flood storyline, I would assume that Juan Francisco de Coronado is going to be the biggest Rudo not associated with the main storyline. Yeah, unless they bring in um, the Baltic Siege or um, anything like that, uh, the angry Russian group it gets pretty good heat too. And I quite uh, like the them block too. party. Yeah, the block party. Baltic Siege is the face guys. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the more fun groups that they'll probably have show up at King of Trios, um, stuff like that. Uh, we go from that. I think there's uh, intermission after that, or no? They do the uh, the four uh, four way tag, uh, which is yeah, three point Yeah, the fourteen tag. Uh, we mm-hmm. have three point Fourteen tag and intermission. Yeah, uh, three point which is Scott Parker and Shane Matthews, who were the guys who went to the future to get Archibald Peck. Uh, seventeen and Deviant, who uh, seventeen is the leader of Gikido, who was essentially a group of renegade students that came back looking for revenge. Um, he knows the reason why it's called 17. He knows the 17 forbidden holds that hurt people. Good uh, God. <laughs> the story is like... Uh, it's everywhere, man. <laughs> it's like you might as well read a book while you're... I, bet, I mean, show. we could do a podcast and it would go on forever if we wanted to hit every little detail about what's going on here. Uh, <laughs> Deviant is a part of... Yeah. <laughs> Deviant is a part of the Swarm, who is a group of evil ants that oppose the, the colony. Um, and then you have the Pieces of Hate, who Jigsaw turned heel um, at the end of the last season. Uh, they align with the Shard, who is another one of the Gikido guys. Um, they are the current champion of State Parejas, but they are not in possession of the belts, because Night Eye for the Pirate Guy bought them on an auction, essentially. <laughs> or no, they were well, given Kimberly to them. Yeah, Kimberly bought them from the auction and gave it to them. Um, which is just wonderful, uh, because they're hilarious. <laughs> and then the throwbacks, Mr. Touchdown, Dasher Hatfield get in as a result of winning, uh, the Tag World Grand Prix 2014 that Wrestling is Fun was running. Uh, Dasher Hatfield is an old-timey baseball player, and Mr. Touchdown is, I think, his cousin's nephew or some obscene relation who is a big football jock, calls everybody nerds. Uh, step-cousin by marriage, I believe. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Mr. Touchdown is incredible, though. He's come a long way. Uh, They end up winning it after 3.0 is eliminated first, and you have Gikido go, and then finally Pieces of Hate. Uh, This is really... This is another Chikara classic matchup. Uh, They love the four tag team matches. 
so it'll especially matter if they ever bring back Campionados and they have points in play and stuff because you need three points to challenge for the tag team titles, uh, which you can get in these matches. Right. What he means by that is you actually have to win three tag team matches in order to qualify for a shot at the tag titles. And then if you lose any match between that and your tag title shot, you get reset back to no points and you have to start over. Oh, that's a pain. <laughs> uh, it makes the title matches mean so much more, though. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're, also, they're competed under two out of three falls and all this other stuff. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. You pretty much got a good taste of everybody, um, especially uh, the the throwbacks, who everybody is still in love with, um, and it's hard not to argue with that. <laughs> my, big thing with, my big thing with Jervis Cottonbelly is that he reminds me a lot of Dasher Hatchell. You could probably put them together in a tag team, and nobody would be... You couldn't hate them, then. They'd be too awesome as faces, I think. Just because of the whole, both of them have the old-timey gimmicks going to them. Now, I understand why they're doing the throwbacks here, but I have to be perfectly honest, I like the original pairing of the throwbacks more, and I'm a little disappointed that Sugar Dunkerton is not part of Shikara right now. Yeah, I don't know what Sugar is doing, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know if he went back and started working in Chicago Indies, or if he's taking a break. Um, or uh, he he's working just for our back. pro. I, I know he's working for our pro, Resistance Pro, Corgan's group. Oh, okay. That might be why. Oh, cool. Well, we could see him on TV pretty soon then. That's true. Right. Um, the one thing that they didn't really touch on at the pay-per-view that I thought was odd, but uh, I figure we could bring it up right now if you don't mind, Paul. Go for it. Uh, the Campionatus de Ferrejas with uh, Charlie Roger and Lance Steele having the possession of them. Something that's pretty commonly known in the Shakar reverse that uh, I don't know if Sean and Gary are aware of is that Jolly Roger and Jigsaw are actually brothers. Right. Hmm. And now the actual holders of the titles, the people that actually, technically speaking, are the champions, are Jigsaw and uh, the Shard. And it's his brother whose managerette uh, girlfriend, I think it was, that Lance Steele is obsessed with Kimberly, and Jolly Roger just kind of goes along with it for Lance Steele's sake. But uh, <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> well, because she's pr- in uh, in wrestling is in the wrestling is universe. She's Princess Kimberly, and Lance Steele as the uh, old time knight, as the knight character, is kind of obsessed with the princess. Right. Okay. So. I think one of the things that will tie in, especially once they bring the uh, Campeonatos de Parejas back into play here, will be the fact that I think they're going to exploit the fact that Jigsaw and uh, Jolly Roger are brothers, and now they're going to be on the on separate sides of this tag title match. Yeah, I think they're trying to figure out exactly how to work it in right now with the Flood pretty much going to be dominating the season, I think. Uh, the problem that Chikara ran into when they introduced the Grand Championship, though, is that the Campeonatos kind of became secondary when they had dominated pretty much the scene since their inception in 2005, uh, which I think a lot of people were kind of miffed at, to be honest. Well, Shakara was always a promotion that was never about singles matches. It was always about the tags and the trios. And then, as you mentioned, once the Grand Championship, once the uh, Sweet and Sour tournament got, the 12 large tournament got it, got started, it kind of took the focus, as you said, away from the Campeonatos de Parejas. Right. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do when they decide to bring it in. Um... I know at the end of the match, um, seeing as the pieces, or was it pieces hit? No, is um, said the Gikido has infiltrated the uh, the um, the Chikara Wrestling School, 
So a lot of the students came out, Kid Cyclone, Equinox, and uh, there's another one that ran out there who I don't remember off the top of my head. But they attacked them, and then Hallowicked had to call them off. So there's that's more Ashes storylines working in there. Uh, one of the videos from National Pro Wrestling Day that you'll actually see in the Ashes movie is the uh, Deviant and the Shard attacking Private Eye Jr. to allow the invasion by the um, the Flood Forces at National Pro Wrestling Day. Right, don't they kill him and break his eye or something like that? Uh, they break his neck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's I... death in comic books, too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh... So uh, they go to intermission after that, and then we come back with Jimmy Jacobs, who is seemingly coming from out of nowhere to lead the flood. Um, and he hasn't really de detailed why, other than they needed a leader, and he seemed to be the best option. Um, he's taken on Archibald Peck, who, as we mentioned, has come back from the future after discovering a whole bunch of timeline mess that had been happening. Um, this is pretty okay. Uh, I think it was much more about introducing Jimmy Jacobs to Chikara than anything. Uh, despite, I'm sure every single person there know who he is, because he's been an indie mainstay since 2002. Um, but everybody loves Archibald Peck. He's the leader of the band, uh, which is a marching band gimmick. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, he's he's on Ring of Honor right now in a name that I can't remember, but he has that streak going. Marty Evans. Yeah, that's it. Um... It's, it's okay, though. Jimmy Jacobs introduced uh, more Flood domination. What did you think, Harry? Um, I was really disappointed by this match. Oh, yeah? And I say this as a, as a guy who is a huge fan of Archibald Peck. Archibald Peck, Artie Evans, Mitch Marshall Archie, Robert Evans from ACW, which is where he started making his name, no matter what you want to call him, has been one of my favorites on the indie scene for years now, and Jimmy Jacobs, I've always thought, is one of those guys that never really got the credit he deserved for being as good as he is, because let's look at some of the major angles and storylines that he played a part in. Uh, the the B.J. Whitmer storyline from Ring of Honor, The Age of the Fall. Um, he was a mainstay of Wrestling Society X when it was around. And I just thought that given the capabilities of both of these two guys, that the match itself was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. I thought the 10 DDT thing was ridiculous. There was absolutely no call for that. It sort of fits uh, in, I think, though. I mean, Just... it, it fits with uh, with Archibald's shenanigans, but at the same time, there it's it's overkill. That's kind of how it is with Archie, though. He never he either goes too far and goes all out, or he just he'll he'll describe everything he's doing. Like he has this thing where he'll say he's going for his finisher very loudly. And it's quite funny. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the cranial crescendo. Yes. <laughs> AKA the swan dive headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we move from that into our last trios match of the evening. Uh, this is by far the best one. Uh, it's a whole bunch of ants. We have the Colony Extreme Force, which is Arctic Rescue Ant, Missile Assault Ant, and Orbit Adventure Ant taking on... The original colony. Oh God, how many ants are there? A lot, uh, and that has to do with the insane popularity of the colony, which now makes up a fire ant, green ant, and a assailant who is now worker ant, worker ant two. Jesus I don't know Christ. how they're going to pull that off. 
<laughs> uh, Warcarian 2, because the original Warcarian is retired due to injury suffered from an awful waffle on the floor at the hands of Chuck Taylor. That is correct. I just don't know oh. if they're actually going to say Worker Ant 2 or if he's going to be Worker Ant or how they're going to go about well, if that. you're going to have um, a colony, I guess you really do have to have that many ants. <laughs> uh, real quick, actually, as far as uh, Green Ant goes, he's not Green Ant anymore. Oh, he's yeah. Silver Ant or something now, right? Yes, Silver Ant. Okay. I guess because he's no longer a rookie, huh? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I just want to know when Aunt Jemima gets involved. Uh, we're not done with ants yet, Gary. Trust me. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> this whole storyline stems from a very long and drawn-out story that we could get into, but I'll save you it and just say that the Colony Extreme Force are created by the guy who used to be director of Fun Wink Vavasour in an attempt to capitalize on the Colony's popularity. Um, right. I really love this match. I um, you got pretty much everything you could want from the Colony. Um, and the Extreme Force healing it up as best as they can. Um, I Missile Assault Man is my absolute favorite out of these guys. He's hilarious. He works with a missile pack on his back, and it's absolutely awesome, the stuff that he tries to do with it. Um, I think Fire Ant's probably the best indie worker out there, period, right now. I don't think he ever gets enough credit. I really wish I knew who was under the mask so I could try to find more of his work outside of Chikara. Um, but I absolutely... Uh, message me on... Message me on Facebook. All right. I'm not going to put that in. I'm not going to put that information out there over a mainstream source. But message me on Facebook. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Uh, I do know who's under the soldier ant mask, though, and we'll see him later. Um, but this match is absolutely wonderful. What do you think, Harry? Uh, honestly, I thought the BDK and uh, Spectral Envoy match was a little bit better. But as far as as far as storyline telling, the fact that they were able to weave the storyline, and I thought the Colony and Extreme Force. Uh, Match did a lot better job of weaving all the, the minor details into the uh, into the storyline that they had, as well as going forward with the flood. Um, I agree with you with Fire Ant, super underrated, really strong worker. Uh, reminds me of. Uh, let me try that again. Stop. Rewind. Okay. Fire Ant. <laughs> it reminds me back to uh, 2008 when he had his series of matches with Vin Gerard. God, the Young that, Lions Cup. Yeah, that was magic. Those two in the same ring together were were just insane. And then you had him move on to the uh, the stuff that he did as far as the Campeonatos de Parejas when him and Soldier won the titles. And again, you said we'll get into Soldier in a little bit further later here. And then obviously the rebirth of the Colony now because the Extreme Force came out wearing the Colony's King of Trios medals from 2011, I think. It yes, was. 2011. Right, and they had won those matches in a trios match that was set up by the former director of Phone Wink, Vavasor. Well, after the match was over, now that Vavasor is out of the picture, the new colony, Greens, uh, Fire, Silver, and Worker, attacked the, uh, the Extreme Force and took those medals back. But one of the points that was brought up on Shikara 101 is, technically speaking, that medal does not belong to the new Worker, and it technically belongs to Soldier Ant, and do you think we'll see anything going forward between that and Soldier Ant trying to claim what's rightfully his, especially since Soldier Ant is associated with the Flood? Absolutely, especially with the aftermath of this show. Uh, there's no way they can't bring that up. Um, I, I, I think uh, the remaining Ants inside of uh, the Flood, too, uh, uh, we'll see them and the Colony go at it a lot, I think. Uh, we move into our main event after... Well, first we get a, a video package of 
the King of Trios trailer that's coming back this year. Uh, it's all Lego with Ultramantis and Hallowicked and Frightmare running. It's absolutely awesome, uh, especially with how awesome Legos have been recently with the movie and everything. Oh, I could not stop laughing at that. I thought it was absolutely <laughs> hysterical. Uh, I, I adored it so much. <laughs> I might have to try to find that trailer and post it in the Wrestling to the Max group on Facebook just because it is that worth watching. I can tell you for a fact that it is on the Chikara Office YouTube channel. And now I know where to go to find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely post it. I want to see it. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right. I'm in the process of finding it now. Continue, Paul. All right. Uh, we have the main event for the Chikara Grand Championship, which is the top singles title uh, that Eddie Kingston has held since he won it. He's the first champion. Uh, he beat Quackenbush for it in High Noon in 2011. Uh, Jeez, and he's that long. Well, you got to remember, Chikara's been dead, quote unquote, for a year. Oh, okay. Uh, but he, I think June he's defended. Uh, sorry to interrupt you there, Paul. Uh, June of 2013 was the last show. Right. Um, and he, I think he's defended it 14 times before that, though, which is still ridiculously impressive. Um, there's a whole storyline that goes along with that. Wing Fabrisur demanded that he defended at every show, and uh, they, they sort of. Some of the challengers get a little ridiculous of how they chose it, but I think that was part of what Wink was about, sort of randomness. Um, um, go ahead. To further your comment there about that, go as far as that goes, uh, I was. Have you guys heard of Cybermetrics as far as sports go? Yes. Wink Wink Vavasor introduced something that he called Shakara Metrics. Okay. It was basically the same level of ridiculousness that goes into him more or less creating whatever he wanted to create as far as as far as who were going to be the challengers, who were going to be teaming. He's the reason that Soldier Ant got pulled from the colony and put with the uh, the Extreme with Force. Aikido. Yeah. With Aikido, actually, originally. Yeah, it, it was a swarm first, yeah. Deviant, um, Soldier Combat. Ant, and there was a... Combatant. Yeah, Combatant, you're right. There's a Combatant... Not anymore. Uh, Mike Quackenbush pretty much killed him. Uh, <laughs> so he used combat to kill the combat and. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I said, we could tell you the whole story, but we would be here for a long, long, very long time. <laughs> anyway, Eddie Kingston's defending against Icarus, who has been the uh, the whole fire behind Chikara coming back. Uh, they had a match for the championship back at the Anniversario show in June of 2013. That Icarus looked like he was about to win before um, Tidor and uh, the security company come in and break it all up. Uh, this this goes back and forth. I love Eddie Kingston to bits. Uh, he's a tremendous worker, I think, both in and out of the ring. Um, he's very hard-hitting. Uh, he's in that same line as sort of... Uh, he's more like B-Boy than Loki, but it's sort of that same vein of hard-hitting, strong-style work. Um Icarus apparently suffers a concussion sometime in this match, I've read, uh, which shows yep. at the end whenever he puts on the Chikara special, because it looks a little lackadaisical. Um, um, lackadaisical isn't the word. Wrong is the word. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of the main things about the match that threw me is the fact that obviously Icarus knew what he was doing, knows what he's doing with the, uh, with the Chikara special, and you could tell right then and there that something was not right. I mean, especially when they when they messed up the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray, right? When uh, Icarus couldn't hold Kingston up, it's the Blu-ray is a Death Valley driver into a turnbuckle. 
Ouch. So it's better it's than called the blue. Right, better uh, than a DVD. <laughs> uh, Icarus ends up becoming the second grand champion, though, after uh, making Eddie Kingston pass out in the Jakar special. That's very important. Kingston never tapped out. I'm sure we will see much more from that. Um, and, uh, Kingston, I th he got booed pretty heavily just because he didn't really care, seemed to care, or he wasn't there to be that rallying force that everybody expected him to be, being the grand champion that Icarus was. Um, well, it's... If you recall correctly, Kingston was actually in the midst of a heel turn when Shakara went under last year as well. Right, because of Icarus starting to turn into this huge face following Marty Jannetty and all this other stuff. Uh, right. Another interesting bit of story there. But anyways, uh, Icarus gets a huge face celebration. Um, what do you think, Harry, before we dive into the post-match stuff? Um... I don't know that Icarus winning here was the right call. Oh, yeah? And the reason I say the reason I say that is because I think there was more to I think there was more experience to travel here with Kingston being the champion. Honestly, I was kind of surprised that they didn't pull the same finish for this match that they did for the match at Anniversario Never Compromise. I fully expected the invasion of the Flood to come during the match. Will, uh, how will Icarus compare? As far as his run as champion goes, that's to be seen. I like Icarus. I liked Icarus even back when everybody else was booing him and chanting worst in the world. <laughs> and uh, go ahead. God knows his God knows his choices in body art are questionable. Yes. <laughs> which thankfully he covered during this matchup. <laughs> yeah. The new gear, which apparently was actually made by Wednesday Dorado in a bit of an interesting uh Shikara twist. Wow. Uh, Icarus, uh, as I said, becomes your second grand champion. Uh, he's getting the huge face celebration. Uh, and then out comes the flood to ruin the party. Uh, it's pretty much everybody that was at the uh, National Pro Wrestling Day, uh, which includes a lot more people than we've seen on the show tonight. There's um, the Wrecking Crew. There's, oh, God, there's probably more people that I can count on. The important part is uh, there's this... Go ahead. Devastation Corporation with Sidney Bacabella. Right. Uh, as you mentioned, the other members of the Wrecking Crew, Jocka. Um, Dr. Cube was involved. I saw him, a couple of his minions. And then, all right, go ahead, pick up. Uh, at the top of the ramp, there's this absolutely ginormous man who comes out who looks like half Predator, half something else. Um He's accompanied by Delirious, which is incredibly surprising, and Soldier Ant, uh, who's still sporting the one antenna. That is one bit I will always love. They come in and pretty much wreck house. Um, this giant man murders Cobalt, sadly. <laughs> and uh, that's that's how you end the show. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, I was surprised to see Delirious back, to be honest with you. What about, what about you, Harry? Uh, Delirious coming back didn't really surprise me considering that he still had unfinished business in Shikara as far as uh as far as Ultramantis Black goes and you'll notice that the very first person that he went off went after after he unmasked to reveal that it was Delirious was Mantis. Right. So I think there's uh an interesting bit of uh, interesting story to still be told there. As far as Soldier Ant goes, I'm glad to see Soldier Ant back in as you mentioned. The identity of Soldier Ant is not entirely a secret and he's somebody that has been associated with with Shikara even in its downtime. And it, it, it's good to see him back, and it's good to see him continuing his angle with uh, 
with the colony, especially after they did the bits with the In the Ashes movies where the colony, where Fire and Green Ant were searching for Soldier Ant, and nobody could find him. And then here he is being revealed as a member of the Flood on the return. Right. Um, the Titan of Ketor, as he was referred to in the Archibald Peck sketch. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? I've, I've read a lot of interesting rumors about who's under the hood. Um, the, the one that I really latched on to and I think would be absolutely amazing to bring this whole angle full circle is Chris Hero. Uh, Chris Hero's all considered one of the co-founders, well, not one of the co-founders, but he's a very important part of Chikara history, um, being one of the innovators of the Chikara special and all that. Um, other than that, I mean, it could be anybody else knowing Chikara. What do you think, Harry? Uh, I honestly think it's too tall to be Chris Hero. I mean, he could be wearing lifts for all we know, man. <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, the big rumor that I had heard that I thought was really interesting here, and I want to know your thoughts, Matt Morgan. That would be interesting. I have absolutely no idea what Matt Morgan would want in Chikara, but, I mean, he is certainly big enough to fit the role, and, I mean, as powerful as that giant killer choke slam sit-out thing was uh, on Cobalt. Uh, choke choke breaker. He lifted him up onto the shoulders and then choke slammed him across the knee. Right. Uh, I, uh, I I could certainly buy it. Um, but that's the show. I absolutely adored it. I'm so happy Jakar is back. It's my favorite promotion out there. Uh, if you're as confused as I'm sure Sean and Gary are about how complicated the backstory is, uh, we can talk about it on Facebook and uh, Wrestling to the Match page, or Wrestling to the Max page. I'll be happy to try to fill in as many questions as I can. Um, and that's it. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll help out as necessary as well on the Wrestling to the Max page. In addition, um, maybe me and Paul could get together and do like a little bit of a write-up that we could post for you guys all to read in order to give you a little bit of the backstory as far as the history of Shikara goes. Something that I think would be, uh, something that I think would be readable. That would be yeah. fun. Definitely. Yeah, you guys get together and uh, see what you can do and let us know because we, we'd love to have that. And uh, me we'll and Sean definitely. Heck out of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'd definitely be an interesting read for both me and Sean uh, who have not got a chance to get into that history of uh, Shakara. So, man, it's it's been really cool listening to you guys talk about it. And it's really intriguing, especially with all these different characters, just the different style of a wrestling show that Shakara is. Um, so, I mean, we'll definitely get into that, and we'll keep everybody out there posted for On certain. On a note that I forgot to note when I was doing the takeover thing, y'all made a mention about Camacho and somebody used to say he's uh, Haku's son or whatever. Haku was at takeover. He was sitting there with uh, Chris Christopherson, who was also there. He's the, obviously, country legend, but he's also a uh, the father of Garrett Dillon, who's still around and... NXT too, so oh, cool. There you go. Yep. So it's pretty awesome. Well, guys, do we have any final uh, anything else we wanted to get into before we head out of this wrestling to the max special? Uh, make sure that you're here next Monday. We will have a show reviewing uh, Payback, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about Takeover if we have a little bit of time for people who don't, you know happen to go on speaker go on youtube or whatever we'll be reviewing that that impact that we talked about for two seconds and uh whatever else is going on in wrestling at that point 
And uh, check out my football, the football, if you're a soccer fan. We talked all things U.S. men's national team yesterday uh, about the squad that's going to the World Cup, about the first friendly game, and so many other things. Awesome. Well, man, everybody's got a lot to check out. We'll have a great episode on Monday. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Lose my voice before the podcast is over. Uh, but we're going to have a great one. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. And thank you so much, Harry, for joining in with us, man. It definitely helped Paul. definitely helped the whole show. <laughs> Made the show so much better. Yes. yes, thank you. Oh, not a problem, guys. Um, Sean mentioned it earlier. If you guys don't mind, I'd like to do a quick plug here as well. Definitely. Go for it. Uh, the Raw Reaction airs Monday nights at 11.30. Myself and Tony Asaro on uh, Pro Rest- on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio, uh, www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. And in addition, on occasion, Sean will sit in with us over there as well, and you can listen to us right before the Wrestling to the Max Monday broadcast starts, so you can catch us, and then you can come right back over here to catch Wrestling to the Max. Guys, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much, Harry. We'll Thank talk you, to Harry. you soon. Thank you, sir. All right. Absolutely. Well, guys, it's been a fun time. We've enjoyed ourselves plenty, but I think it's time for us to get on out of here. Uh, I've got a big weekend ahead of me with this big birthday party. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot more to do on my plate till Monday. Um, and I know you guys got your own things going. So we're going to go ahead and head on out into the sunset and uh, just say a couple more words. If you're not living life to the max. Not living life at all. You know it. Peace. Oh.